1: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill.
2: Here we go, a Wednesday edition of the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. It starts now. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show You out there, we got game three tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN. Cover starts at 8 o'clock tonight. A little later tip for the Sixers and the Raptors. We got you covered from all angles. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City this hour. We'll do football at 4. This is going to be a big one because some major news in the NFL today. As Debo Samuel who is another one of these wide receivers who seemingly isn't happy with his contractual situation? Although, apparently, the 49ers went to him and said they would work on the new deal. He said not interested, and he has told Jeff Darlington of ESPN that he wants to be traded. And obviously, the social media verse has just blown up if you're an Eagles fan. Everybody, it's funny. The people who don't like Howie Roseman, this is when you're like, Howie, do the deal, get it done. Why? Because you know he is on that phone right now asking the San Francisco 49ers what it would take to get Debo Samuel out of San Francisco in the Bay Area and get him to Philadelphia. This is when you appreciate having a guy like Howie Roseman as the GM. And speaking of which... NFL.com just ranked its top 22. Why only 22? It's top 22 NFL GMs. Where did Howie Roseman land on that list? Well, you can go to 97.3ESPN.com to find out right now. I'll tell you why he only did 22, Josh. I see your face wondering, hmm, why only 22? Greg Rosenthal, who came up with the list, he's a longtime NFL.com writer. He ranked the top 22, because he said there's 10 that have not been on the job long enough to be able to rank them. There's 10 guys that are too new. He says he likes to give them one full off season to be able to judge them. So there's 10 GMs that did not make the list of the top 22. Roseman on that list, you know what I found on this list, it's kind of interesting, is when you take a look at the entire list of GMs, this includes the 10 that did not get listed. A lot of them have ties to this Eagles front office, including the number one duo on the list, which is uh, Brandon Bean, the GM, and the head coach, Sean McDermott, who was the defensive coordinator with Andy Reid. Jason Light is also number five on the list. He was the Eagles vice president of player personnel. Andy Reid and Brett Veach were both with the Eagles. Veach was a scout. They came in at number six. Andrew Berry the vice president of football operations in 2019. He came in at number 18. Former Eagles vice president of player personnel for four seasons, Joe Douglas, is on the list. He was second to last at number 21. And Howie Roseman on that list. He was kind of uh, towards the middle of the pack in terms of the GMs in the league right now. Of the 22 that he did rank, he was more towards the bottom at number 14 was Andy was uh, Howie Roseman. So that put him kind of in the middle of the road, if you will, which I think is a good spot for him right now. We can go through the list. I want to see what your opinion was. But he was the number one GM in the NFC East, for whatever that's worth.
3: I First of all, I like the fact that he didn't do any like presumptuous ranking of guys who have been on the job long enough. I think that's a very, very fair way of looking at it. I like that a lot. But back to your earlier point about the other GMs who've been through Philadelphia, whether you like or dislike Howie, the reality is is that this organization from 2000 to now has had a lot of smart people come through the organization. So you may not agree with every draft pick or every free agent move, but the reality is that... As a general principle, the people who have cycled through this organization have been of a of a high enough quality that other teams want them. We talk about this a lot,
2: that you might not like Roseman, and I get people don't like him. I think it's the easy, lazy thing to do is just say, I don't like this guy. I think more people don't like him for reasons that don't have much to do with his football acumen as sure. much as they just don't like him. They don't like the way he talks. They don't like the way he looks. They don't like that aspect of him they don't want to admit that but I think that factors into more why they don't like Roseman because Mm -hmm. most people who are quote-unquote football guys who work in the NFL who covered the NFL they value Roseman more than the average fan does which happens in a lot of walks of life and it very understandable but we always say whether you like Roseman or not the NFL circles like what the Eagles do That's why the Eagles front office gets rated all the time. They had four members, four members of their front office interview for jobs this offseason. So obviously, the league thinks that the Eagles are doing something right in their front office. You might not like what they do. The league disagrees with you. So just always keep that into perspective When you're taking a look at this. Now, I want to go back to Roseman and the original situation here. Debo Samuel. You don't even have to just ask me. I say yes. Okay? That's my answer. Yes. My answer is yes. You got to go and try to figure out a way to make a call to them and get him here. Debo Samuel, to me, he is the perfect type of guy for what Jalen Hurts brings to the table. He's the perfect kind of guy for what this offense can be. He's what Jalen Rager was supposed to be. He's your guy that you can line up in the slot. He's your jet sweep. He's your bubbles guy. He's all the things that Rager is just simply not at this stage of the game. Rager has been a bust. Debo Samuel would be a home run. Now, the question is, how much do you give up? What's too much? What kind of offer do you make? Do you have to make an offer That is too good for them to say no. How do you handle this thing? So I think we start there with your text messages. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Got some text messages already. Mike, not sure what I'd like to see us pay uh, for what Debo wants with only having one good season. That is an interesting point there. I'm not discounting what he said either are we putting too much stock in the player that Debo Samuel is for really only one really big year of production my answer to that would be this Debo Samuel now you could throw this into the equation right is Debo Samuel's been hurt a little bit right he's had some injury issues um I would say Last year, he played a full sixteen. I guess one game he missed. Uh, everybody played seventeen. He it, really he didn't he missed time with two years ago, right?
3: Well, it was twenty twenty. He only appeared in seven games. I, say,
2: I remember him being hurt one of the years.
3: His rookie year, twenty nineteen, he appeared in fifteen out of the sixteen games.
2: Yeah, and he was decent as a rookie. He didn't like jump off the page. He showed flashes.
3: The only issue I have a question about with Debo because, frankly. If you're 25 years old in your third year in the league and that was your quote-unquote breakout year, that's kind of on the trajectory of most players, especially guys who are not, like, you know, top five picks in the draft. People forget this. Part of the reason why he wants a new contract is because he's a second-round pick. Mm -hmm. So for a guy— How about
2: the point where he said, he's saying, or the 49ers are saying, hey, we tried to talk to him about a new contract, and he just says, no, I don't want to be here.
3: Yeah, The question I asked you earlier, Mike, and I'll bring it up again for you and the listeners here, is that what changed from the end of last season to now that Debo said, because he told Jeff Darlington that I don't want to discuss the reasons right now, but there obviously had to be something that happened. Because during the season and at the end of the season, he was all 49ers, company man, I'm happy here, we made a great run, blah, blah, blah. So what happened from then to now is what, what I'm curious about.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, the obvious speculations could be, one, he's not happy with the contract. Well, the Niners have said, we approach him about the contract, and he doesn't even want to The the extension conversations have gone nowhere. Right. And he essentially is, I want to move on. Okay, why? Well, the contract. Well, we tried. He doesn't want to negotiate. Okay, Mm -hmm. then what? Well, maybe he wants to play with Garoppolo and they are committed to going to Trey Lance. Could that be it?
3: It's certainly possible. But I would assume that the way Debo is used in their offense, I think it's fair to say that, the, the style of player that he has become at this point would be best compliment if he stayed there. So then why does he not want to be there? Because under Trey Lance, I'm assuming he's going to be used the same way. Unless, Mike, does he maybe not want to be used the way he was used last
2: year? Well, that's a fair question. I mean, does he not like the way they use him? I think all accounts was that people thought he was used very good in that offense.
3: Right, because they used him as this basically an offensive weapon. He wasn't a pure wide receiver. He was a guy who got a lot of sweeps, a lot of uh, running back, snaps. Yeah,
2: keep in mind, he had 59 carries for 365 yards and eight rushing touchdowns. So he had more rushing touchdowns than he did receiving touchdowns last year. He averaged 6.2 yards uh, a carry last year. So they were using him in the way that the Eagles could really incorporate him into their offense. Now... 49ers what do they lack they don't have a very good offensive line right now they Mm -hmm. need some help up front they also don't have the quarterback situation really locked in at this point Jimmy Garoppolo is he going to be the quarterback is Trey Lance going to be the quarterback does Debo Samuel say I don't want to be in the middle of this
3: the other question I would ask you Mike is if you're the Eagles yes (laughs)
2: Well, no. I don't know what you're asking, but the answer is yes.
3: Well, the question is, if I'm Howie Roseman, Mm. I just had this press conference with Nick Sirian where I said I lied, nothing.
2: Thank God. He's he's probably thinking, thank God I had the press conference before before Debo Samuel announced he wanted to be traded. Continue. But
3: Howie has said multiple times, we discuss with the coaches what we're going to do before we do it so we know how they're going to use the player. If you're Howie Roseman and you... Talk to Nick and be like, hey Nick, how are you going to use Debo? Does that not influence the compensation you're willing to give up for Debo?
2: Sure. But I think Nick Sirianni says, Man, if you can get me him, then we don't have to draft a receiver in the draft. That's number one. Obviously you're giving up a first round pick, I would imagine, to get him.
3: Absolutely. I'm because people forget that you don't have a first round pick after trading for Trey Lance. So For the 49ers case, yes, Debo is a second-round pick, but he has a first-round caliber talent.
2: He was a first-round caliber talent last year. 1,400 yards plus the 365 yards, the 14 touchdowns. Now, if you're saying there's the whole body of work, there's a couple of things in play here. And someone texted in his age. I was going to get to that. He is 26 years old. So just turned 26. He just turned 26 uh, in January, so he'll be 26 this season, yes. Yeah. So he is at the end of the contract. You have to sign him to a new deal. Right. So does that factor into the offer? Hey, he's had one big season. He is 26. I'm not getting a 23-year-old guy at the end of his contract. I'm getting a 26-year-old. So he was a second-round pick. He's given me one year of first-round production. Does a first-rounder necessarily have to be in that deal? I would say likely, but I'm saying, like, if you're Howie Roseman, are you throwing those things in? Look, man, you're giving me a 26-year-old. He doesn't want to be there. You got to work with me here. Now, he's going to get He's going to. – they're going to get offers from somebody that are going to give him a first-round pick. So I think if the Eagles want to make an offer, Howie Roseman's going to have to offer. Now, can you say, hey, I'll give you – um, 19 instead of 15. What do they have, 15 or – what do they have, 18 or
3: 19? Uh, I thought it was 18, but let me double check.
2: They had 19 before. They moved to 18. They flip-flopped with the Saints. Yeah. So I'll give you 18 instead of 15, and I'll give you 101 instead of 83. So you can have a third. I'll give you a first and a third. Does that play? I do that. I mean, I don't know – does the 49ers get greedy because they're going to get multiple offers? The Jets are already interested. The Packers are already interested. I would imagine the whole league's interested.
3: Right. The, the, that's why Phil Yates put out that tweet about all the teams that are interested in Debo Samuels, every team but the 49ers on the on the graphic. Right. You, know?
2: um, you basically are going to have 31 teams making a call and saying, all right, what do you want?
3: I think it's fair to say that if you're the Eagles, you call – the 49ers with an offer already in mind that way you don't get caught up in everything
2: well you started off right hey um John Lynch Tally Roseman you know I have two picks I'm not giving you both but let's start with one all right I'll give you I'll give you 18 and I will give you 101 and then of course Lynch will not take the first bait he'll say hey I want 15 and 83 no I'll give you 83, but you got to keep 18 and let me keep 15.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a scene from draft day when Costner turns to the Jags GM and says, come on, man, let's be reasonable here. Let's I get carried away here in the moment.
2: Well, keep in mind, what else did I say that this 49er team lacks? Offensive line, right? Yep. They lack offensive line. Do I throw you Andre Dillard?
3: Well, if I'm throwing you Andre Dillard... Have you seen the pictures of Andre Dillard today, by the way? I did not see the pictures of I mean, of Dillard, he looked no.
2: like Brandon Brooks when he was doing the... I mean, the guy's massive. He must have put 25 pounds of muscle on, Dillard. He looks ridiculous. I mean, in terms of good. He yeah, yeah, looks yeah, yeah. like he looks like a chiseled new man. He looks like a monster. Yeah, but I mean, hey, he's not going to win his job back, so what do you do?
3: Yeah, you, you uh, put that picture out so you can trade him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did he do that? To try to drum up some interest in himself.
3: Well, let me throw this question also out to everybody because one of the conversations I was having on game night last night was if the Eagles were to talk about moving up in the draft, I'm assuming part of that conversation is you know almost every team ahead of you needs an offensive lineman, right? So Dillard is probably part of those conversations. So I ask you, Mike, and Eagle And I'll give fans, you
2: Rager back to replace him. How about that? Just throwing <laughs> that out there. Right. Go ahead.
3: But – so my question to everybody, including you, Mike, is would you rather trade Dillard as part of a package for d Samuel or as part of a package to get potentially a top 10 pick?
2: Okay, I'll answer that question with this. I would imagine Roseman already has some intuition on what kind of interest d- uh, Dillard has.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So he has that in his mind already. What kind of calls am I fielding for Dillard? How many teams have legitimate interest in him? Right. If he's not happy with that, he can throw Dillard in this deal. Correct. So if he's saying, look, I've only got two calls for Dillard, and neither one of them am I thrilled with, then I can use Dillard because I know San Francisco lacks offensive line.
3: Right? He- That's an area where the, where they... Um, they need help. I mean, they their offensive line is not as good as it used to be. No, it's they've still had,
2: very good. Yeah, they've had some injury. Uh, uh, They've had some injury. Now, they do have Trent Williams. That is a problem because right. Trent Williams is a, left is a left tackle. We know Dillard is not a right tackle. So the 49ers may not be a good match for Dillard. True. That's a problem there. So you can almost cross – just thinking about that now, you know, their line is shaky but not at left tackle, and we know Dillard can't play right tackle. So I think that really uh, complicates that possibility. Gotcha. Um, so now you think outside the box of you're more. Okay, we'll throw Rager in the mix.
3: But what's Rager really worth at this point?
2: Nothing to us in our mind, but what about Kyle Shanahan who sees, okay, He's a younger guy that was supposed to be a Debo Samuel. Correct. Maybe their offense isn't suited for him, but I can get something out of him, and I got him for
3: cheap. Listen, Kyle Shanahan thinks he can get something out of everybody, so I'm sure he looks at Rager and is already drawing plays in his mind. If that's I
2: right. would imagine that if I'm Shanahan, Rager's got to be a part of the deal, and I'm not saying it's a deal breaker, If the, you know, but in his mind, he's like, if I'm losing Debo Samuel, a player with his – Abilities, I got to get somebody back. And Rager was a first-round pick. I know we are already over him. I'm on that train. I'm not here telling you I think Jalen Rager is going to all of a sudden bust out in year number three. But don't tell me that a first-round pick that Kyle Shanahan wouldn't say, well, if I have to give up Debo Samuel, at least in return, I'm getting a guy who was a first-round pick, and you're likely giving me a first-round pick. It's, It's not that Rager gets the deal done. It's that... If I'm getting a first-round pick in this year's draft, which I don't have, and you're throwing me a former first-round pick wide receiver, okay, that that interests me a little bit. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Text messages are coming in. Mike, uh, I like Debo, but he's 26. Not overly old, but I'd rather draft a 21-year-old rookie. Again, that's just me. Um... I'm going to agree and disagree, and I'll tell you why. I could draft a 21-year-old rookie if I think my team stinks. Now, a lot of people out there aren't, like, enamored with this Eagles team. They won nine games and went to the playoffs. Does Debo Samuel add a win, two wins? Does it make them a more dangerous team? Absolutely. A 21-year-old rookie, that's the mindset of a guy who's stuck in we are building for five years. I think the Eagles in the NFC, if they get Debo Samuel, they got to be at the top. They got to vault from you know low level playoff team. I'm not saying that they're the favorite, but Debo Samuel makes you go from like the six seven seed area to you're probably just as good as Dallas and and in the division mix now. Getting a 21 year old rookie, you're rolling the dice, hoping that guy. Works. I got a 21 year old rookie last year, right? I got Devonta Smith. I got Quez Watkins. Those guys can be my young wide receivers. I need a guy like Debo, 26 years old, perfect. He's not too old. He's not too young. He's a veteran receiver that can help me out now. So your mindset is um, sounds like you are more in rebuilding mode. I'm more in let's take the next step mode.
3: I think you need to be in next step mode because that's the only way you're going to truly learn about Jalen Hurts. You got to put the guy in a situation where you say, we went to the playoffs last year. We made a big step from 2020 with Doug Peterson, 2021 Nick Sirianni. Now is the time to take the next step on that ladder. I don't think you learn enough about Jalen Hurts if it's another subpar season in a transition. I think now is the time to say feet to the fire. Who are you? What are you?
2: That's another thing. If I want to learn about Jalen Hurts, I got to give him a weapon. And if I give him Debo Samuel and he can't play, well, then I think I made my decision on Jalen Hurts. Yep. Uh, Cole from LBI checking in says, guys, Debo to my Jets, I'd give up the 10th pick and a third swap and both or the Jets second round picks. And I would give him a four to five year deal, 100 million guaranteed. Philly should definitely be on this as well. Now, he's willing to give up the 10th pick. Yeah, I I, I think Philly, you, you call and say, hey, I got pick 18. Does that get it done? Here's Rager, and I'll give you a one-on-one. How's that?
3: Don't forget also the head coach of the Jets is former 49ers D coordinator Robert Sala. So you have to wonder, is there potentially maybe a relationship already in place?
2: Uh, 609-403-0973, JNEHT. Mike, sometimes you only get one or two big years out of these guys, but Debo is one of those guys where if you get lucky and he's on your roster during one or two of those years, he can be really special. He's also a force in the locker room, a fan favorite. If Howie can get him, it'll only help both Smith and Hurts get better, not to mention his on-the-ground production, Jay and EHT. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, Debo Samuel's one of those guys. And look, we all – you're not going to win the Super Bowl 10 straight years. You just got to get yourself in the best position to win it every single year. If you get Debo Samuel right now, I'm not saying you're better than – the Rams? You're probably not better than the Rams. Fox. You're probably not better than Tampa Bay. You're probably not better than Green Bay, although Green Bay needs some help. Now, they're one of the teams interested in Debo because they need some receiver help right now. But, but you you're know, right he, in the mix. You're right in the mix for a division.
3: That's what i You're You could potentially say you're better than the Cowboys.
2: And you have still a first-round pick because you're not going to give up two first-rounders to get them, I wouldn't think. Definitely not. So... You're still adding a first-round pick. You have two next year, yep. And you have you would still have multiple picks. In well, we don't know what else you would give up. I'm not. I would imagine you're not giving up a first, a second, and a third.
3: You better not. That would be ridiculous.
2: Mike, uh, do we want to give? Do we want to pay all that money for a wide receiver once the contract is renegotiated? Well, that's a Howie problem. I mean, that's a Howie thing, and that's why. How he gets the marks that he does is he'll figure out some contract to give him that won't blow this thing apart. I'm not worried about – if anything about Howie Roseman that you should feel good about is that he could figure out a way to get him under the cap and that the contract wouldn't be detrimental to the team. Right. So we're just getting started today. Sports Best Live 97.3 ESPN. Debo Samuel wants to be traded. Sixers and Raptors tonight. Phillies this afternoon. They lost again last night. And it was very um, resembling the losses of the last couple of years. They blew a save. Hey, welcome back. It was actually not a save situation, but you know what I mean. They had a lead late. A bullpen arm came in and gave up a homer. That's how it went if you missed it. Join the sports bash at Slack-Tide Brewery for the 97.3 ESPN Eagles draft party starting at 2 o'clock on Thursday, April 28th. Slack-Tide Brewery in Cape May. Courthouse reminds you to always drink responsibly. We'll have another chance for you to qualify 30 minutes from now. You can win an Eagles road trip at Slack Tide Brewery next Thursday, a week from tomorrow. Listen for that Eagles draft party sounder. Pick your trip to go off in about 30 minutes from now. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. I enjoy your text messages coming in. Keep them coming. 609 403 0-9-7-3. I'll read and react. Coming up. Now, back to more Sports
1: Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey Sports Leader. 231 Sports Bash. Debo Samuel
2: wants to be traded. Should Howie Rosen make the call? Of course he should. What do you give up? You guys have been texting in 609 609- If you're listening on the free 97.3 ESPN mobile app You can message us through the app on your phone I'm Mike Gill At Mike Gill Show You can tweet at me as well I always will read and react To your messages Good, bad, indifferent Sports Bash Is brought to you by AC Airport Plan your next vacation now and create memories to last a lifetime. Start with nonstop flights from Atlantic City to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, and Miami. Book your low-cost flight at Spirit.com. Let me read off a couple more of your text messages that are coming in through that commercial break. 609-403-0973. That's the uh, text board you can hit me up on. Get your phone. Just pipe that in. Send me a, Shoot me off a of text. And I'll read and react to it. Let me uh, fire up the text board here. What we got here. Wait, 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 wait. What? Uh, all right. Sorry. I was having a little t- trouble getting the text board to load up there. What? All right. Uh, so I definitely want another receiver for sure. Debo was proven. But with so many needs in the draft, what will it take to pay him and be able to address other needs three to four years at $14 to $17 a mi- million a year? Plus, next year if Jalen Hurts steps up, then he's going to have to get paid also, even if just middle of the road for starting quarterbacks. What is that, 20 plus million? I think it's actually like we were talking about this the other day, uh, Marcus. This is like $30 million for middle-of-the-road quarterback. So here's the thing. Yes, you got to pay the wide receiver. But at some point, like, you got to pay for good goods. You got to stop like, hey, let's try to go down the discount shop. You know, what's the Seinfeld episode when uh, Kramer wants to go duty-free? You know, I like to shop at the duty-free shop. You know, what's duty-free? At some point, you got to stop shopping at the duty-free shop and start paying. We always want to just like, hey, let's get this guy for under value. Let's get this guy. No, at some point when you're a good team, you got to start paying guys. That's Roseman's job. Roseman's job is to figure out how to get a good player and pay him. You can't keep just saying, hey, I got a good player. It's time to let him walk. Like, this is the the hamster wheel that all these NFL teams seemingly get on. You do everything in your power to draft a guy who's really good, and then when it's time to pay him, it's like, I'll let him walk. Well, you took the time to, to, to draft that guy. You took the guy to develop that guy, and now you don't feel like paying him? So then I'll just try to find another one. And a lot of times you can't find another one. A lot of times you're like, damn it, I let that guy walk because I didn't want to pay him. So if you get a player like Debo Samuel and you pay him, then that position's taken care of for a couple of years. You got Devonta Smith on one side. You don't need to draft another receiver. You've already drafted that guy. You finally hit on the receiver. So we don't have to go down that road in the draft. You shouldn't have to anyway, but because they kept missing, they have to try to find another receiver. Here's one right here. Greg and LBI, apparently we're pretty uh, popular in Long Beach Island. Got Greg out there, Cole out there. Who else is in LBI today? Where is LBI? Like an hour from here?
4: Uh, I
3: don't know where
2: it is, but I'm saying like an hour? I think
3: like 45, 50 minutes.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks, Greg. You got Jets fans up that Well, you got a little mix. It's a mixture. Yeah. Giants, Jets, Eagles. I mean, there's... there's What's the pie, t- pie charts say? 33, 33, 33? Probably. 50... It's- Because, you know... 25-25. You
3: know, that area, you know, LBI, Tom's River, Neptune. I always feel... My roommate from
2: college was from Brick. And he's Giants. Giants, Yankees, you know. He was all New York teams. I always feel when I go up there, it feels like when you go to, like, Coles. Yeah. They have more New York gear than they do Philly gear. Do you think that... That's That's my barometer,
3: does that mean you don't shop at Coles
2: anymore? No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I've been to a Coles in that direction. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I coach baseball. Mm-hmm. We might have time to kill between a game, you know, because you play it in the morning. Then you right. play a second game later on at night. It's like, what am I going to do for the next three hours? So I'm, like, walking around stores, like, just to try to kill time. Right. You know, I stroll in a coles a, a and you most of the gear would be more New York-centric. Okay, But Greg in LBI says, Mike, I know this is sarcastic and negative, but at this point I take back some sushi from San Francisco for Rieger. It's not bad, Greg. Now, he must be an Eagles fan, LBI.
3: Sounds like an
0: Eagles fan So we got Cole
2: from LBI who texts in a lot. He's a Jet fan. That's correct. Greg in LBI seems to be an Eagle fan, so so far we're 50-50 in the LBI area. Interesting. Hmm. No Giant fan up there?
3: Uh, I'm sure there's some Giant fan somewhere.
2: Probably a Cowboys fan, but they're probably homeless.
3: I don't count the Cowboys fan." I'm talking about people who actually are interested in their local teams.
2: Well, I'm just saying, like, you probably have a little mix up there. you yeah, got Eagles, mean, Cal- you got Eagles, Giants, Jets mix, and then you got the other community, which probably likes the Cowboys.
3: I mean, I've been up there a couple of times, a couple of establishments up in, like, Brick, Red Bank, LBI. I actually worked at an event one time years ago at L- in LBI. And, you know, you run into a mixture. It's, uh, it just depends on, I guess, what side of the uh, – what side of the turnpike they lean, kind of.
2: Thing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not all that. I, you know, it's like I've never been to, like, Asbury Park. Yeah? LBI. I don't even think I've ever driven through it.
3: Just never p- piqued your interest, never had a reason to?
2: Not really. Not that I'm knocking, though. I just, for whatever reason, never like, hey, let's just go to LBI for you the You ever day. go
3: to Lakewood Blue Claws game?
2: No, I've been to Lakewood before, though. We played them in baseball in high school. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. They had a pitcher who pitched against us, and he got drafted by the Mets who uh, shut us down pretty good. <laughs> he was pretty damn good.
3: Would you like to go to a Lakewood Blue Claws game?
2: Yeah, they're not called that anymore, but yeah.
3: What are they called now?
2: The Jersey Shore Blue Claws.
3: Yeah, they rebranded
2: themselves. Well, they wanted the whole Jersey Shore to be a fan as opposed to just Lakewood.
3: How do you feel about the teams that do that? Like, you know, they're, they're the Arizona Diamondbacks, not the Phoenix Diamondbacks.
2: Um, it depends on the makeup of your state. Like, West Virginia, if they had a pro team. Like, Morgan West Virginia University, the whole state it encompasses. Right. Wouldn't it was not a big like, state. No, but I'm saying, like, Arizona is a big state in terms of square footage and miles or whatever, but it doesn't have a lot of, like, it's sparsely populated outside of the Phoenix area.
3: Well, you have a couple of cities. You have Tucson as well. But...
2: Right, but I'm saying there's, like, two... It's like three he- cities. Heavily, densely populated places, and the rest of the place is very. You
3: know, it's like the Denver decimate. Nuggets, but the Colorado Rockies. You know, it's like, it's interesting why they decide one versus the other. For these well, they
2: games. tried to do that with, um, like, there was the Florida Marlins, and then there were the Miami Marlins. Right. Nothing seems to be working for them. <laughs> 609-573-3776. All right, McGarry's on the other side. We got him coming up. We'll talk a little Sixers, Phillies. We'll get his thoughts on Debo. Should uh, teams in the NFC East be calling? Howie Roseman, where did he rank on the list of GMs? NFL.com just put out. It's over at 97.3ESPN.com. And the Pick Your Trip sounder in 15
5: minutes. Now, back.
2: I need caller number 7, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776, caller 7, you'll be entered to win a trip for two to the 2022 Eagles road game of your choice. You pick the game, we've got the airfare, the hotel, the pregame tailgate party, and we'll give you two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win at slack tide brewing company next thursday the trip is all courtesy of philly sports trips do philly sports road trips with the pros plan your trip at Phillysportstrips.com, and it's brought to you by Ernest and son's old-fashioned butcher shop in brigantine they'll be supplying food that day the show is open to the public the caller seven you have a chance
1: to enter right now this is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Here we go, Sports Bash Hour 2. Congratulations,
2: Glenn in Marmora. Glenn in Marmora is our latest qualifier for Pick Your Trip. Caller 7-7. You are in. You have a chance to win an Eagles road trip for an Eagles road game in 2022. That's all thanks to phillysportstrips.com. We'll be live a week from tomorrow at slack Tide Brewing Company in KB Courthouse, Glendon Marmora. You'll be there, and we'll see you with a chance to win. One lucky listener is going to walk away with an Eagle road trip. You pick the game, and we pay for it all. And uh, we'll have food that day. Ernest & Son's Old Fashioned Butcher Shop will be there with us. Looking forward to you as well. It is open to the public, so you can get on out there. If you're not one of the qualifiers, you just want to come out and watch a show, hang out. It's always a fun day to see the show live on location. I'm not the most talkative guy in the world, but...
3: Well, you talking on the radio for four hours. Yeah, it's, it's enough for you.
2: <laughs> so somebody said to me <laughs> really? one day. You don't really say that much. Huh? I said, well, during the break, I don't have... Too much to say. I just let it all go for 20 minutes. Pete talk. Thompson likes to talk.
3: He does like to talk. By the way, so just to lay it out, so I saw the lay of the land last weekend at slack Tide brewing, and you are going to be set up, depending on the weather that day, you're either going to be outside. Looking forward to that. in the In the nice, fresh air, or you will be in the back area adjacent to where they do the actual brewing.
2: I'm all down for it all, man. I like it. I'm on location next Thursday. Come on out and see the show live. The Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN, our annual. We have to bring it back the last couple years because of COVID. We have not been out there for the draft party, but it is back. Ryan Rothstein from the Philadelphia City Cast is here as we break down tonight's Sixers and Raptors game. We got that. A couple other things on the docket. What's going on, man? What's happening? What's happening? Game three, baby. Game three tonight. Uh, Give me one number that sticks out to you to start things off here.
6: One number,
2: yep, give me a uh, odds, a number, a something that you probably have already looked at, you know for the city cast, uh the spread uh, something here, give me something that makes you feel one way or another about this game because the number has changed big time from the numbers in Philly, right, they were like seven and a half point favorites when they were at
6: home, yeah, uh right now. It's, uh, it's a two point number, meaning the 76ers are a slight, slight betting favorite, uh, at least at Bet River Sportsbook. Those are the numbers that I use for the Philadelphia City cast. And, you know, an interesting you know, little nugget as far as what the the betting public has done up until this point, MG uh, you have 40% of the money taking the 76ers minus two, but you have 70% of the tickets going the other way. So what that tells us is the sports books and the sharp action are on the 76ers, but overall the public uh, is going the other way with Toronto.
2: All right. So, yeah, the, the number has really shrunk a bunch. Most people would say, hey, I saw enough in two games to give me a feeling on this series. I don't feel that way. Yeah, I I feel like you win your two games at home, you look good. If people don't watch basketball, um, you might have that thought process of, hey, you're dominating. But as we saw last night, Phoenix looks dominant. They lost at home to the Pelicans. Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Sixers, voila, don't shoot 50% from three-point range. We lost Ryan. We'll uh, try to get him back here in a second. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Sixers – didn't shoot 50% from three, and all of a sudden this game changes a little bit. Because I think that, I think that, um, I think Nurse will keep a similar game plan. So my question was, I know we lost you for a second there, but <coughs> I was going down the road of the, the Sixers look dominant through two games, but that doesn't give me any confidence that they're all of a sudden just going to come out here and wipe this team up.
6: No, I mean, any anyone that's been watching this 76ers team through through its entirety of the regular season, uh, you're obviously thrilled with how the first two games have gone. It's it's pretty much been best case scenario. But that's what also has has me a little bit nervous, Mike, because this team hasn't been known to to be a sharpshooting team to be you know, that we can bank on them making 50% of their three-point shots, right? So now you're going on the road a little bit shorthanded. Matisse-Steibel has never been known as a sharpshooter, but you still, your bench is even smaller than what it already would be for a playoff game. So can they continue this shooting pace? The answer to that question is no, of course not. So... What are they going to look like when the shots start start to, you know, clank and they're down to earth a little bit, 30%, even 35% from three? Yeah, that's a
2: good question. So if those open looks aren't going down, do you keep going with them or do you have to say, hey, tonight's not our night. We got to do something different. I mean, that's the hard part is they are getting open looks and they're connecting on open looks. But to shoot at that clip for three games in a row with the third game being on the road –
6: I think that's a big ask, man. I I think it's a it's a very big ask. I think it's an unrealistic ask um that you shouldn't bank on, right? I mean, listen, this 76ers team through two games has looked by far and away the better team. And yes, they they have the talent, they have the stars. Uh they have the 2-0 commanding series lead, but this series can can shift on a dime, right? All it takes is Toronto claws their way back into it and figures out a way to get a win tonight. Now you're now you're facing a, a, a basically a pivotal game 4 with the series at 2-1. I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but uh this is this is an important series. This is an important game in this series, I should say, Mike. This is very right very here. much so. If
2: the Sixers win the game tonight, we know the series is over. They're not, you know, 3-0. I know the whole doc thing, 3-1. They're not losing a 3-0 series lead. Oh. Uh if that happens, if they lose tonight all of a sudden, The narrative switch, the panic sets in, all of the bad vibes that we typically have around this team start to enter. So I think it's an important game tonight to see what the ceiling of this team can be. Who are they? Are they the killer instinct that wants to dispose of a lesser team? Or are they going to claw along with a team they're clearly better than? I think that's what tonight's about.
6: I would agree. It's Tonight is sort of a who-are-you type of type of game, right? Is it just, all right, you got a couple of nice wins at home where all of your shots were falling, or are you a team that can find ways to win in a few different ways? That's a championship team. That's an elite team. Uh, and, and can you bank on Joel Embiid and even James Harden to will this team to a win? Because on the road, your role players, Mike, you know this, typically don't play as well on the road. So what can we get out of Joel Embiid? Not that he's been bad by any stretch of the imagination, Mm -hmm. not even close, but there's going to be more pressure on him to figure out a way to get this team a W.
2: Yeah, and I know Embiid had a big night in Game 2. He was 19 points in Game 1, the whole thing at the foul line. You know, on the road, and the referee tonight is interesting. He calls the least amount of fouls in the NBA, so throw that factor in. Uh, I think Embiid's going to be a key element in this game, as he typically is, but are the Raptors going to triple him, double him? Are they going to say, hey, you be the guy that beats us tonight? I feel, I feel like Nurse really hasn't made that big adjustment yet. I'm wondering if it's coming.
6: Yeah, if, if you're Nick Nurse what what do you do here tonight? Do you just say, screw it, we're, we're letting them jack up 30 to 43s and, you know, we'll shake your hand if you make 40 to 50% again? Or do you, I don't want to say overthink it, but do you decide to to go a different route as far as game plan? I mean, what, what would you do, Mike, if you're Nick Nurse?
2: I think I would keep a similar game plan where I'm going to say, if you're going to beat me from three with your secondary players, go for it. You're gonna shoot fifty percent from three point range again, I'll shake your hand at the end of the night. I might bitch and moan about it, but I'll shake your hand um if you're if I'm Nick Nurse. He'll probably complain on the way through the uh, you know, on, on the way to the locker room. But if you hit fifty percent from three on the road, you deserve to win.
6: I'm curious to see, and I would I would say I agree with you, right? But if if he wants to get a little weird, right? Let's get weird for a second. You know, what if he says you know what? Screw it. Let's make Maxie's night a living hell. <laughs> let, let's not let Maxie get one look that he's comfortable with. Let's, let's face guard him. Let's double him at times at the point of attack when he has the ball. Let's let him be get 40 or 50. And let's make everyone else, you know, try and beat us, where Maxie's the primary guy you take away. You just accept the fact that Embiid's going to get his. You know, I don't know. That that could be an interesting type of game plan that a lot of people don't expect. Will he do it? That's another question. Yeah,
2: like, hey, do you – because I guess one possibility is you're at home. Can you challenge them to go to Embiid and try to get into some foul trouble, get that early offensive charge, and then, you know, if you get Gary Trent back, I think he's supposed to play tonight. I think he is back. Barnes, I think, is out. But – Can I get someone to take the ball to the basket and try to get Embiid to get an early foul on the defensive end? And then, you know, if I'm going to give him touches down the other end, maybe he throws an elbow. Maybe he gets out of control and I get two quick fouls on him. We haven't seen that play out yet. And I'm interested to see, Ryan, if there was a situation where Embiid got into early foul trouble, who would Doc go to? Would he say, all right, Paul Reed— You got to give me 20 minutes tonight, or does he feel more comfortable going with DeAndre Jordan?
6: You know, something you and I talked about earlier, and and you brought this up, and I was looking at it before we even spoke, um, the the game one to game two minutes, right? Like, Theibel got 20 minutes of action in game one. He got 10 in game two. You look at all the other bench minutes from game one to game two, almost cut in half. I mean, Doc barely went to his bench. It was everyone was getting six to 10 minutes. That wasn't the case in game one. Now you don't have Matisse Thiebel. You're already down a key player. How short is your bench? If I'm Toronto, my game plan is to viciously attack Philadelphia in the first five minutes and try and grab a couple fouls early on whoever it may be, ideally Joel Embiid. But if you get any of those starters in foul trouble early, there's no bench for Doc to turn to.
2: Not tonight, right. And, and, and one of the questions that we ponder is he limited Thibel's minutes, but who gets those minutes? Even if it, Okay, he had 20 in game one. He had, I think, nine in game two. I think he played 29 total minutes. So where does that playing time go to? Does somebody get more time? Does he go deeper and say, hey, Furkan, you're going to get those minutes or we're just going to
1: extend
6: someone else's minutes? I think that's going to be interesting tonight. Yeah, I agree. I I would predict it's Korkmaz, and I know a lot of people Ooh. are maybe we haven't know, seen him in a while, man. <laughs> How many minutes? You know, listen. Even if you go to uh, Corky for five or six minutes, you know, let's see what he can do. But you're going to have to. I don't
2: know. I'm not saying 20 I, minutes. I, I think if it's if it's me. I, Here's two, op- here's two options that I would like to see thought by Doc. One, do I play Reed with Embiid for a short time, right? Yeah. Just, you know, show them something different. Right. Or two, and I think that's a 0% chance, by the way, <laughs> do I give Shake Milton more minutes? Do I give Shake some of those dial minutes and just put more confidence in him and say, "Look, you're in the rotation, man. You you're you're one of our guys. I'm going to give you more minutes tonight on the road because you know, we're short, we need you."
6: You know, Shake's been already getting a good amount of minutes. You know, I know it was some garbage time minutes in game 2. I think he finished with 14 minutes. I think he had right around the same in game 1. You know, do you do you bump that up to 20 minutes? Certainly wouldn't be surprised. You look at the starters' minutes in, in game two. I mean, 38, 40, 41, 39. You know, do you just say, screw it, this yeah, is our game what? seven?
2: Yeah, guess what, dude? If I can get this win tonight and I can it's close over. this out in four or five, my guys are going to have some time to rest. So I'm going to max you out. I am, You know, right. so many times these games are coached, I feel like, with a seven-game series in mind. Well, if I could shorten the series, i push my guys a little harder. Then they get more days off.
6: Yeah. No, listen. This is, I think we both agree, this is game seven. Like, for both teams. The Sixers go up 3-0, it's over. Toronto goes down 0-3, it's over. <laughs> so, don't hold anything back now. Give right?
2: Me, like, this is it. Give me something tonight that Toronto could do that
6: you're like, uh oh, that worries me. <sighs> Get the Sixers in foul trouble, but that's not really black and white. Um, I think getting creative and deciding not to double. Listen, they're going to double and bead. So Yo, let me be ser- clear on that. This but series- to change it up and either double harden or maxi a little bit more. Like they've had a lot of success on the perimeter, they being the Sixers. So do you try and eliminate that right from the jump? and start to attack the perimeter of the 76ers a little bit more and live with beads, you know, filling the stat sheet, but it may not be what the 76ers ideally want. Yeah, well, the
2: energy the Sixers' defenses have, you got to give them credit for that. This has been the, ser- uh, the, the series for someone like me who has the kind of mindset I have in terms of, you know, the NBA coach. You know, Nurse has just been irrelevant in this series. He can't do anything. He just doesn't have the players. You know, this is where. Yeah. Hey, look, it's a player's league. You can coach all you want. You just don't have. He doesn't have the bullets in the chamber, man. He just and and and, and it's almost as if he's not even trying. He's almost like, I got nothing. What do you want me to do here? So I'm just going to stop my feet and pout and hope that changes something. Like so, I'm trying to like to ask the question I asked you. What's something that concerns me? Siakam's played a good series. He hasn't had that big 35 point game, but no. he's not one of those guys. Like, yeah, he'll get 23 but he's not like a 35 guy like he was the night when the Sixers played him in Toronto a couple weeks ago. Van Vliet can get going, and he, you know, he had a decent, you know, I think he got a little, uh, he was like George Costanza chucker the other night just start firing (laughs) shots up. But the only thing that I I guess would worry me is like with Trent out and and Barnes isn't going to play, that's 33 points a game they're missing. I don't yeah. know where they make that up, man. I just don't know where they make that up. So what would concern me is, like, if you get Trent and Van Vliet and Siakam all have that night where they're like, all right, this is it. We're This is our coming out. This is our going away party. We're coming out swinging, and they just have that crowd, and they're hitting everything, and, you know, they're flailing, spinning fadeaways, and they're going down, like, where they're just hitting tough shots. Like, that, to me, is the only way that I see them really – kind of winning tonight, but that being said, I feel weird that something like that could happen.
6: Who's the X-Factor for the 76ers where if they have a bad game, the 76ers are not winning tonight? Because you would think it's Joel Embiid, but to me, I don't even think he is the X-Factor because we're just so accustomed to him getting his and It's going to have to come from elsewhere, and we've just been fortunate in the first two games, Mike, that it's been coming from everywhere. As far as people stepping up and making shots, as we've talked about at Great Lens, it's not going to continue. So, who is your X factor?
2: Well, it's there's a couple. It's it's the duo of Harris and Green, and of course Maxi. But Maxi has almost shifted himself out of X factor status into. How will I figure out a way to stop this guy? But those three guys, because why? They're getting open looks and they're hitting. Like, if I'm going to give Danny Green nine threes uh, attempts, he's going to make two, right? He's, he might make, if he makes, And if he makes three or four, now the Raptors are in trouble. But if you're mm-hmm. going to give him nine open looks, he's bound to make two. It's if he starts to hit more than two where the Raptors are like, oh, man, now we're giving this guy nine. He's four of nine. We can't win. You know, same with Harris. If he's going to hit three of three, three of four, you're just, you got no shot. That's where I think the X factors are. Hey, we're going to play the same defense. We're going to put our attention on Embiid. We're not going to let Harden beat us. The other guys are going to have to do their thing.
6: And if they hit 50%, they're going to lose again. I just wonder, I go back to sort of a question that you asked as well earlier in this segment, which is, what's Doc's adjustment? Does he need one? Maybe you know, maybe he doesn't need one, but what if the Sixers come out one for ten from three? And the Toronto Raptors are saying, here you go, here's your silver platter, take all the threes you want. Sixers are out of rhythm, can't get in sync, can't make a shot. Is there an adjustment? Um. Yeah, I mean, you always have... I think they have two things that they haven't
2: had to rely on in this series, which is James Harden, you know, having a 30-point game, 25, 30 points. They have been able to have him be your classic point guard. Hey, lull him to sleep, control the pace of the game. They haven't had to ask him to do much. And the other is they haven't really had to say, hey, and Embiid, we need you here. Right, we need you yeah. now. And B does that on his own, but that's just sure in the, the 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 sheer flow of the game. Hey, you have the ball. They triple me. Here's a pass. Knock down a three. Here's the ball. They double me. There's the open guy. Here, you shoot the three. Hey, here's the ball. Double, but you got it to me so fast. I split the double. I score. Just the the flow. They, these guys aren't hitting. Now we need you to start. We need you to, to to take this game over. They haven't had to do that yet. So that would be really. Something different, I guess, is if he has to say, hey, guys, we're not, tonight's not our night from beyond the arc. Let's go through Joel.
6: Right. And I feel like I don't want to jinx it, but even looking back on that Atlanta series, right, and how it was just an epic collapse, you look at the style of this fight thus far through two games, and it just feels like, listen, we know the shots have been falling. It's not even just that simple, though the swagger and the confidence of this 76ers team paired with their flat out talent is better. It's going to take a lot for this Toronto team. I think even just to win a game like tonight now, can they win tonight? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's tough to predict, but it just feels like it's all, it's all 76ers right now, even if they struggle from three.
2: Yeah. And let's say this, look, The series against Atlanta was lost not because of Ben Simmons, but he was way at the top of that list, if not number one on the list. He played historically bad, not just bad. Okay, there's nights where Ben just didn't play well when they lost game. He was historically bad, and it took historically bad to lose in seven games. So the point being the rest of the sum of the parts should be enough that you're not going to lose to a less talented team because of a historically bad performer. That's what it would take to me for them to now lose this series. And, look, that changes a lot because a guy like Barnes being out, Trent not being 100%. If those guys are healthy, I might have a different feeling. I just think they're, they're too short in terms of talent, they're too short in terms of depth. They're too short on terms of shot makers. They're too short on tops on terms of getting a stop. Losing Barnes really changes their defensive prowess. So they would need to have a historically bad performance or series from a, 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 a James Harden who's not having a historically bad series. Simmons was historically bad, and that's
6: why they lost to an inferior team. And you mentioned Harden. It's not even just Harden. It's maxi has been playing out of his shoes. Tobias Harris has been playing out of his shoes. And Harden's been playing well. So, okay, even if Harden has an off night tonight, well, what are we going to get from Maxi? What are we going to get from Tobias? And how much are we going to get from Joel? Like this team this year, through two games, very early in their playoff careers right now, seems just a lot deeper with a lot more firepower that can come at you from a lot of different angles.
2: All right, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Hit us up on the text board. Ryan Rostin is the host of the Philadelphia City Cash. You can download that wherever you get your podcasts. We actually uh talked about the game today. I'm his guest on his show. You can get that and listen to what I said on that podcast about the game while you're getting ready for that tonight. That's in uh, wherever you get your podcast. Sports Bash, we'll read off your text, 609-403-0973. If you're listening on the free 97.3 ESPN mobile app, you can message us through the app on your phone. Travel with the pros at Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan who's looking for some great Philly sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at Philly phillysportstrips.com. I'm Mike Gill. This is the sports. Now,
0: back to
1: More Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's Sports Leader.
2: 349, 11 till the top of the hour. We've got another chance for you to qualify for Pick Your Trip coming up in six minutes from now. Ryan Rothstein is the host of the Philadelphia CityCast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can download and listen each and every day. Sixers Raptors tonight on 973 ESPN. All right, give me the city cast uh, numbers from Bet Rivers on the uh player props. I want to get involved on these. I love it. Um, and I keep losing. But I keep getting <laughs> I keep coming close. 6 out of 7, 8 out of 9 last night I got. Phillies game, 8 out of 9. Raptors Sixers 9 out of 10. I only the only one I didn't get was Thibel didn't get me a steal. That
6: bastard. Unbelievable. Well, you should take the over on Thaible tonight. I feel good about that. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs>
6: All right. So we can start with some some uh, points totals here at Bet River Sportsbook. Joel Embiid, 32 and a half points. And what I like about the over there MG, it has moved a little bit as far as the price, aka the odds, plus 102 for Joel Embiid to get over 32 and a half. So basically even money for uh, the over to hit there if we expect Embiid to have a big game. Do you expect that?
2: I do. I think um, – I, I, I do think Embiid will be in the 30 range, 32 is interesting, but if I'm getting plus money, uh, plus odds on it, I sh- you know, I'm okay with that. If you're telling me it's minus, you know, 110, I'm probably out. But at that number there, at that price, I
6: probably would include that um, as one of my plays. A couple of others uh, I'll get through it quickly. Danny Green points 8.5, priced at minus 121. James Harden uh, 20.5, minus 118 on the over. Tobias Harris 15.5, priced at minus 108. And Maxi 18.5 points at minus 113.
2: I have, um, I like Danny Green over, what's this three? Probably like 1.5 on the three.
6: Yep. Yeah, I, like, it's one and a half. I
2: like him and Tobias over on the one and a half on the threes because I just think they're going to still get volume. I think they'll get five or more attempts. And two out of five, uh, so I know it's 40%, and that's saying that they're going to shoot another hot night. But I'll take that probably a good value for both of those guys there. Maxi's interesting. I know everybody's going to jump on him. He's burned me in the past when he's had like these – 30-point games back-to-back. Back. He's had the big ones, and then you hit him, and he scores 14. So i probably pump my brakes on Maxi a little bit there.
6: A couple of other, I guess, value plays, if you will, as far as the three-point uh, field goals made market. Joel Embiid over one-and-a-half threes priced at plus 130. Tough. Harden over two-and-a-half priced at plus 120. Tough.
2: See, I, I'll typically try to find Embiid one or more. Because he'll usually get one. One of them is a spinning reversal in the corner. That should count <laughs> as a. That should give you an extra one there. Really, Harden's tough. He'll hit four or hit nothing. Yep. So I don't like hitting on Harden. I will go one on and B typically, and tonight might be one of those nights because they probably were gonna, are going to need some extra offense from him.
6: Yeah, I, I like playing one of those I think either's a a good play because of the price plus 130 plus 125 Uh, that's up to the listeners slash you out there uh, deciding on on which one A couple of others quickly that stand out Joel Embiid rebounds over 13 and a half priced at plus 110 that's interesting he's a board machine plus
2: 110 I like that Um, yeah he's been getting double doubles that's another one if you can get the combo stats on the double double
6: Okay, well, uh, your wish is uh, my whatever. Um, I think the word you're looking for is double... command. Yes, there it is. <laughs> to record a double-double, this isn't worth anything. Yes, Embiid, minus 770. <laughs> oh,
2: so they're not giving you very good odds on that.
6: No, Harden, yes, minus 143. Tobias, yes, plus 550. So
2: I'd be out on. Um, he's yeah. not a double-double kind of guy. He had 6 rebounds, 6 assists in game 1. I uh, no, he had 10 rebounds in one of the games, right?
6: Uh in game game 1, I believe? Yeah. One of the games but I think that's he That's way that's not like him at know, all. No,
2: not at all. So no, he's not a double-double guy. You know, the one guy that I've been hitting on too is Nyang. Nyang to hit like a 3, uh if you can get him over under like 4 points. Because he'll hit a three, and then every once in a while, you know, he'll get a little driving, floating layup on the on the baseline, or he gets something like that. So if you can get his over-under around four, I like Niang there,
6: especially with extra
2: minutes available probably tonight.
6: Now to go behind enemy lines really quickly here. Uh, do you think Gary Trent Jr. or – well, Trent – is Trent out, right? He's playing hurt. Or tonight. he's playing hurt. He's, he was
2: sick. He's playing um, – He had a non-COVID illness. He played 10 minutes the other night. Today, he is supposed to play.
6: Right. Okay. So, because I do see, uh, you know, some of his points totals, if you will. Gary Trent Jr., uh, 13.5 points. Van Vliet, 21.5. What's Trent? 13.5. That's low if he's healthy. Right.
2: 'Cause he's an eighteen point a game guy. I just don't know where he's at physically in terms of me either. you know, his wind, is he gonna play his full complement of minutes? That would concern me there. Uh the guy I would like is Siakam. I think Siakam's tonight's tonight he gets his thirty.
6: Yeah, I I I like Siakam's one of my favorite plays at over twenty four and a half points. I agree with you. Okay. All right. Uh, give
2: me a thought on the game
6: tonight. How's it go? Man, this is uh, this is tough. I think it's going to be a battle. I like the under 216.5 because I think the Sixers are going to come down to earth a little bit, shooting their threes. Um, I-, I have the 76ers winning by a point. I'm going 101 to 100. The Sixers figure out a way to keep their foot on the jugular.
2: All right. Uh, I actually like the Raptors tonight. I hope I'm wrong. And I'm sure if I am, people will text me tomorrow and say you were. But I like the Raptors to kind of win this game tonight. I think cold shooting gets in the way. Back home, it's been a nightmarish place for the Sixers. They have not played well in this building. Not enough shooting tonight. Siakam has a big night. I think the Raptors win a ugly offensive game for the Sixers. Uh, 105-98. Okay. All right? Yeah. All right. We will uh, preview recap and preview game number four is on saturday afternoon at two i hate that time yeah that's a brutal time two p.m. come on terrible uh eight o'clock tonight and you got celtics and nets at seven so you got those two games gonna be crossing over for a little while there ryan rostein check out the philadelphia city cast wherever you get your podcast all right man all right brother thanks all right he'll be back on friday show right now It's that time. I need caller 7, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. Caller 7, you are entered in for a chance to win a trip for two to the 2022 Eagles road game of your choice. You pick the game. We'll supply the airfare, the hotel, a pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win on Thursday. April 28th at Slack-Tide Brewing Company in Cape May Courthouse for the live Eagles draft party show. Well, we will select one lucky winner, and that winner will win a road trip of their choice courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Do Philly Sports road trips with the pros. Plan your trip at phillysportstrips.com. Food provided that day from Ernest & Sons' old-fashioned butcher shop in Brigantine. 97.3
1: ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have
7: real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the
1: Inside the Birds
7: podcast.
1: Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four.
2: Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's Brought to you by PropSwap, America's sports betting marketplace. Sell your sports bets, take your profit, find out how. Go to PropSwap.com, download the PropSwap app today. Adam Kaplan is back. We got a lot of football. We opened up the show on a Sixers game day with football today because, well, the football stories are very interesting. Howie Roseman spoke today. He was lucky he spoke, Adam Kaplan before Debo Samuel said, I would like to be traded (laughs) because I'm sure uh, Howie would have been asked six ways to Sunday about it. But let's ask you, Adam Kaplan. uh, Debo wants out. Is it realistic that
8: Howie would want to bring him in? Well, it's realistic, Mike, good to be with you that he'll he'll talk to uh, John Lynch, the general manager, potentially Kyle Shanahan. Just give some background on what I've known for a bit. Um, We all know, number one, that Debo Samuel wants a new contract. He he's eligible to be extended because he's now played three years. That's the rules by the CBA. If you're a drafted player, you have to wait till your third after your third season. So he fits in with that. In fact, we were talking about this last time you and I were on what on Monday. Uh, we've got Terry McLaurin who's up for a new renewal, AJ Brown and a couple other receivers, particularly those guys. Uh, those guys have shown that they're, they're ready, you know, they're they're some of the best young receivers in the league. So when it comes to Debo Samuel in particular, he wants, partially because of what's happened in AJ Brown too. They're seeing what's out there. They're seeing Tyreek Hill get a monster deal, Devontae Adams get a monster deal. Well, there's a there's a reason for it. They played much longer, and they're more proven, and they're brill- they're just great football players. The, these young guys have not gotten to that level yet. And my understanding is these teams really have not looked towards extending their contracts at this point, but the players are putting pressure on the front offices. That's why they're not showing up. I understand the NFL, these, not showing up doesn't really mean anything, although it's just a sign, hey, I want a new deal. It means something when they don't show up to training camp because they can be fined heavily. That's It's really punitive in the new CBA. Now, here's what I know about Kyle Shanahan and remember his dad, Mike. Kyle, like Mike, has personnel control. If he feels that he doesn't want to deal with this situation, he'll wind up trading this player. That's just... It's what I know for people who've worked with, with Kyle over the years. And again, it's, to be clear, it's Kyle's decision in the end. He's what we call personnel control. In the end, it's his decision whether Debo Samuel is extended, traded, or stays on the roster. So This one, you got to watch. This right. one, Mike, you got to watch because um, he's a very unique receiver just to get in this a little bit in terms of talent. He's not for everybody. If you don't know how to use him, you're completely wasting your time. He's not a normal wide receiver.
2: That's what I was going to ask. So is he a fit for what the Eagles offense looks like? You know, with what they did last year, it's hard to tell. So does Debo Samuel, is the juice worth the
8: squeeze in this offense? I think that's the key. Number one, you would have to extend his contract. Um, He's not getting 27 to $30 million a season. I don't see that happening. He's not proven enough. Um, That is a contract that won't be easy to, to get. His agent... His agency, I think he's represented by CEA. They'll, they'll want to look at what are called comparable contracts. But he, he's not at Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams' level. He's just not. He's a fun player, a pretty high-character kid from what I understand. A bit of good story development. You know, he's had an injury history, by the way, over three years. But very good football player. He's not elite yet. Elite is when you've done it for three, four, five years. He's getting there. He's really good. Uh, but he's... But the thing is, and here's the other situation which we need to get into. I need to find this out. I'll probably, I'm gonna, we're gonna have this tomorrow. I guarantee you for our show that we dropped more, him more. I'll talk to. I have pretty good 49ers sources. Here's another thing: Does he want to run the football? Because if you look down the stretch, Mike, he had more rushing attempts than receptions over the final stretch of the season. I don't know if he's on board with that. He was great at it, by the way. He was a. He, I mean, he became more of a running back than a receiver. Does he want to do that? Right. That's another. Uh, layer to this issue yeah I mean he was a uh,
2: I, I I commented earlier Adam that he had eight rushing touchdowns and six receiving touchdowns I mean they really used Crazy. him in that role and you yeah. wonder you know if Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman are sitting down together does Nick say hey man this is what I
8: would like to do with Rager but I can't because he stinks well the thing is they try to sh- It's funny you mentioned Rager's role and and and, and- they tried to shoehorn that Debo, Debo Samuel role. It, it didn't work. It's the kind of thing you have to work on during the off season. It just was ridiculous. It just seemed totally out of place. It just it just showed up in a game, and the timing was terrible. It's the kind of thing you start working on when you're allowed to coach the players in May, and you you, you go through the May camp and the June camp. You can't do it. In, you can't do it now. They start on Monday, but you can't do anything with them then. But look, the bottom line is. The, the, the other thing is identity before we move on here. The Eagles have to figure out what in the world they are. We've talked about this. With Actually, Greg Cosell made a great point a couple of months ago on our show. If the Eagles are going to add two receivers, I think they'll add up to two in this draft, or add two by training camp, right? Of, of somewhat of significance. Well, are you doing that based on you want to become more of a passing team? If you're going to be more of a running team, they don't need to draft a receiver early. That, that, to me, is really – there's so many layers to the situation. Now, what what are the chances
2: of that, this. though, Adam? That they want to be a, What are the chances that they want to be a running team?
8: I, no, we've said that recently on Inside the Birds. They yeah, don't want to do right. it, but they have to do what's best. Sirianni did a brilliant job. He goes, it's not working. 34.6 times per game for the first six games, throwing it. it was a bad mistake he made. He, he accepted that. He made the mistake. He goes, what's going to be the best way to win? Take the air out of the football. The quarterback can't handle it. Throwing as much. That's fine. It didn't work. Take the air out of the football. You've got this great running game, potentially. Who knew it would be this great? Have you got the NFL's best offensive line? And it worked. Great job yeah. by Sirianni's coach. Well, that, this, the- I love to know, Mike, I love to know who got in his ear. I love to know. who. who maybe it was his decision. I should say that. I, I don't know that. It's his decision in the end. But did someone get in his ear? Who knows? But it was a great decision. I know who it wasn't. Uh, Adam Kaplan's with me. The owner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Adam Kaplan, InsideTheBirds.com you you mentioned the identity i'm not I, i'm not saying that smith stinks by any stretch i i like smith but what's his identity in their offense what do they want him to be what kind of receiver do they view Devontae smith as
8: well he was terrific by by rookie terms i understand his numbers weren't great uh, to close the season there are reasons for that we, again we don't have an hour for this but I, trust me it was more on the quarterback and the amount of pass targets he was getting. In fact, if you remember, Sirianni and Roseman talked about that at the owners' meetings. I was there. They both said they, that uh, they're key players. That means Goddard and Smith need more pass targets. What that would tell me, they want to become more of a passing team. I think that's pretty obvious. They don't need to say it. They gave you clues. They gave you sort of breadcrumbs. But he needs to get more. But you know what he is? He's just... He's a... He's a Z receiver. I know that Sirianni doesn't like saying X and Z. X is the single-side receiver, usually a bigger guy. Not always. Terry McLaurin is the Washington's X receiver, I'm told, but he's not really physical. But he likes what we call size protections. This is what coaches will tell me over the years. You've got a slender guy. look like at a guy on the other side who's tall. You who could go and get it. He's physical. and um, That's called size protection. It's a scouting term and a coaching term. Um, that's what they really need. If they draft a receiver with one of those two first-round picks, you like to get somebody – uh, who's got some ability w- w- with physicality, or le- even later if they take one in the second round? Remember, they've got, as you and I talked about earlier this week, five in the first uh, three rounds. They don't need to get a receiver in the first round. The fact of the matter is they need someone with size.
2: Yeah, because I guess when people think of, hey, is Smith a number one receiver? Meaning, like he's that guy. Like he's not. Like when Julio Jones was in his prime, uh, or Jamar yeah. Chase last year, he's not yeah. that type of number one receiver. But did they look at him as a number one option?
8: They don't need him to be. They need him to be one or one A with Goddard. Both both will share the football. They're right but again. This is we haven't got to the draft yet. As things now. Stand now. If they didn't add a significant piece of receiver, which would be truly shocking, that would like i pull my hair out of that. did. If, if they wind up not having a significant piece of receiver, whether it's via trade, because a kid, you know, we outlined on weeks ago, they, their offer to Allen Robinson was not as competitive as people think. It was, it was a fair offer, but it wasn't anywhere close to what he got, $15.5 million a year. Mm-hmm. And we know about the Calvin really tr- uh, attempt to trade for him. They would have gotten him had he not had the off-the-field issue. So they, they've already told us they're trying to get a significant piece of receiver. If they get that, that means that Smith's targets won't be quite what you might think they would be which tells me they think of him as 1A, not number one. Uh, Adam Kaplan, we know that um,
2: a lot of people looking at this draft and wondering, as always, uh, can they trade up? Can they move up? If they trade up, I think we kind of think a corner would be the trade-up position. Like, uh, that would be the spot. And you have a list of guys in the last 20 years that teams have traded up for. So is
8: the juice worth the squeeze there to make that move? It's very interesting. So I'm going to go back to March, you know, we get we have emails that we get from our subscribers uh, or listeners, so to speak, whether it's on YouTube or um, our pod version or they put them on our, our Facebook group um, for Inside the Bird. So anyway, I'm like four or five people sent the same question in in a, in a variety of ways. Hey, what what's the likelihood of they be successful if they trade up for a corner? Um, and then one guy said, hey, what's what's it been like the last 20 years? So we went out and got the information. What's a, Mike, i got to tell you, we're gonna we're talking about this tomorrow, but I'm um, just going to give you a little clip-note version. The success rate is much better than I thought it would be. But the funny thing is, over the last 20 years, there have only been 20 corners taking the top 10 as a top 10 pick. So over the last 20 years, on average of one corner in the top 10. And there's definitely a history of success. Uh, it just varies. Like last year, now again, we don't know yet on J.C. Horner, Patrick Sertain. But Sertain in particular was off to a good start. He had a very good rookie season. He was eighth overall. And by the way, the Eagles would have taken him um, at at if they didn't trade up. They would have taken him. J.C. Horn was one A for them. We're told we reported at the time they really liked Horn, but they had Sertain higher. Um, they uh, it, Sertain, by the way Horn looked great before he broke his foot. In fact, talking to the Panthers, he was he was maybe the best player in training camp on either side of the football. He was absolutely great, and he broke his foot in a hot House of Horrors game at Houston. When they lost mccaffrey and horn 2020 doesn't look good cj henderson was traded so that's that's a miss by the jaguars and jeff Lakuta, got he suffered significant injury now they've stayed they have a new defensive coordinator you know from last year denzel ward uh in 2019 there wasn't one in the top 10 denzel ward a home run none in 17 none in 15 none in six seven or eight so mike it's not one where typically and this is what fans had asked and are they're right about this Typically, you don't take a corner in the first round, uh, top 10. However, when you do, it better be an elite player or you're probably not going to get what you wanted. That's probably the thing. We got a ton of we, we're going to spend five, probably on this subject, 20, 15 to 20 minutes on this for tomorrow's show. But I just want to give you a little snippet. You better. Be, it, there are a lot of misses because the valuations of these players. I think we all knew Eli Apple was not a good football player when he was drafted. There were significant concerns about him before he was drafted, yet the Giants still drafted him in the top ten at ten overall. When it doesn't look good, it won't be good. That's probably my story for the top ten at cornerback.
2: So if you are uh, looking at the pre-draft needs, uh, would you put cornerback at number one still on that list?
8: Yes. Okay, so what we did is, Mike, we reshuffled our deck for Eagles team needs because we, we had to really take a, a deeper look at this now, we're, as you and I speak now, we're eight days from the draft. Yeah, I would say, just to follow up from last week, now we've actually ranked them. Corner is still, again, it's the draft. It, we're talking over the next three to four years. What are your what are the Eagles' biggest needs? Because the draft is not about this year. It's about 15 to 20% this year. The rest of it's for the future. Whereas most often, not always, more often than not, your free agency is just for this year, maybe next year if you're lucky. So right now, cornerback, as we said many times, they need it. they need not one, they need two. By the time we start a training camp, now one's got to come out of this draft. You like to get two because Slay is 31; he turns 32 next this January, and they don't have anyone to start opposite him. They have a bunch of fours and fives in the corner. The question that then becomes: Is the second guy a veteran that they as a placeholder? They they they've had a history of doing that. They've not shown the commitment at cornerback to span a couple high picks in doing it. We, we we felt this. We've said this in February. We still say it. We do believe they're going to do some significant corner. We could wind up being wrong, but just our, our spidey sense um, w- 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 would spell that. W- what's interesting, we have safety at number two, Mike. What's interesting is once again, and they did this and they hit home runs with Malcolm Jenkins, as you know, and Roddy McLeod. It's rare that you get these type of guys in free agency. Those are home runs. Can't count on that. They tried it again with Marcus Williams. He decided against the Eagles offer, which was almost to the dollar, we're told, of what he got with with Baltimore. So, Mike, does this tell you – I'm going to throw this back to you. Does this tell you they're going to ignore the safety position and just fill it for free agency? He was asked about that today. Um, Roseman
2: yeah. was. I mean, he, he did get asked about safety – Specifically, I don't know that he really answered the question. Uh, but yeah, he, he said, <laughs> We are, um, he essentially said, We got guys on our roster that we're happy with, which I don't know that he really wants to go with Kayvon Wallace and Ande Chachere, uh in training camp and let them battle it out,
8: right? That, that uh, you know, Sacharay is a really good special teams player. In fact, they, as an exclusive rights for agents, they gave him some guaranteed money, which is surprising. But no, they, they although we, we, we We've said this, and Greg Cosell helped us. Jason Avon helped us. Quentin Michael helped us last fall. We all know that Marcus Epps really should be starting. I, he, he needs to be playing more. He, he's been a great story of development. So the are they good enough with Marcus Epps and Anthony Harris starting? But Harris, is, Harris was very average. They need someone younger. Marcus Williams would have been that guy. They would have been great shape and safety. So it, what, here's what it tells us to move on here, Mike. They clearly want to do something significant at safety. We don't need a guess. They're telling you by trying to sign Marcus Williams. They already gave you the answers. They tried to do it. They were going to pay him 14 million a year. We're, our, our understanding is their offer was somewhere around the 14 million a year range, which is what he got from Baltimore. So they're already telling you they want to do something significant at safety. All right. So, so the is, question is So is it a trade well, up for a uh, safety then? Well, I, I, I don't see that. That's not been their deal. Right. That's just not been their deal. Um, they, they did it. They, 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 they've they done it. Uh, since 2010, they spent two second rounders. They completely missed a Jaquan Jarrett, Temple, Temple, who's a great tackler but couldn't cover you. And they actually, people don't want to hear this, but Nate Allen, I think they actually got it right. I was at the game at Giants Stadium when he tours Patella. He probably would have made it. He went up playing for the Dolphins, I think, and Raiders, but he was never the same since the injury. I don't blame them for that one. They completely botched the Jaquan Jarrett. You never draft a, a box safety early. You just don't. And they learn from that. And it up, Kavon Wallace, he does not really show much, Mike, in the first yeah. years of the fourth primers. So they're going to do something big at safety. They had a not safety. They had a safety. He's in Buffalo. I know. Jordan yeah, Poyer. Oh, oh, you talk- What's that?
2: Poyer. He- they drafted him in the yeah, seventh but- round. Here's the thing about Poyer, though, and I'll, I'll defend them. Nobody knew what he was back uh, yeah, then. Yeah, I kid, but they, I'm saying they—they yeah. they, they did. he was a guy that was
8: here that is playing well. Eric Rowe, too. By the way, that was a dumb mistake they made. Of, of They never should have listened to Jim Schwartz. They should have kept him. Eric Rowe has made a uh, his career now. He got a nice contract as a safety with a nice extension with uh, the Dolphins. That was a mistake. They never should have moved him. Yeah. All right, Adam Kaplan. Uh, real quick, um yeah. take
4: a
2: look at the future. Uh, some of the competition for the future here: linebacker, uh, running back, tight end. This is still a spot where I feel like you're looking maybe a little deeper in the I feel like the linebacker first round thing is like a pipe dream. Uh, oh but, no! Way. But, but those spots, I'm interested yeah. to see what the depth and competition look like there.
8: Mike, in my career, 19 years, I've never seen a, t- a team more year to year at linebacker. They they just don't believe in spending value at linebacker. They tried it. Uh, with Michael Kendricks, they nailed that one, was it 12 years ago, 11 years ago? Uh, they got that one right, uh, but that was a long time ago. They missed on Matt, uh, what's his, Matt McCoy was his name, yep. I think.
2: Uh, it was yeah, too Andy, small.
8: How about Andy Studebaker's
2: name and Chris Gokong getting thrown out there today?
8: Yeah, Gokong was the third from Cal Poly. Yep. And then, um, yeah, Studebaker, what was he a third rounder, fourth rounder? I, I don't remember. He might have been a little, but, little deeper than that, but I remember but Studebaker. Nevertheless, nevertheless, they just don't. They don't they just don't believe in and putting uh what they do is and they've had some successes they they'll spend money in free agency not at high value so so to move this along Mike, to finish up here no i i don't expect them to spend a, a early round linebacker it would not surprise me at all if they don't even draft one why um kaiser white they're really really like him they think it he, he could work here um they they think this could be a, more of a one-year situation and davion taylor Did some really good things last season. He couldn't stay healthy. Uh, We had a scoop a couple months ago. They actually changed his diet. He's into yoga or something like that. Changed some stuff up, so we'll see. But they're just – they only use two linebackers anyway. Mike, why why would they spend an early pick on a linebacker? It it would go counterintuitive to what they've done. But I, I would love it because it would show me that they're open to doing new things. Kenny Gainwell said he's ready to have a big year. Should we believe him? Um. You know, they, it's not his fault. Now, he had a decent season, but they need to use him more as a pass receiver, more on explosive play, slot, a little bit out wide. No, folks, he's not a slot receiver, enough of that stuff. But he's explosive. they got to figure out a way. The coaches have to figure out a better way to use him. That, that That's what I would say.
2: Yeah, his quote was, I'm trying to go into year two and go
8: crazy. So we'll Ooh, see. I like it, man. It, this was my guy before the draft, and um, it was kind of funny because – I didn't think he lasted the fifth round. Boy, I, I didn't expect that. But remember, though, before we get out of here, remember they made him a shirt yardage back. Remember earlier in the season? that was really surprised.
2: Yeah, he got a lot of touches early. They kind of phased him out, yeah. then they brought him back. All right, uh, Adam Kaplan, InsideTheBirds.com, the Inside the Birds podcast with all the draft news. Great insight and intel leading you up eight days away to the NFL draft. We'll have plenty more uh, right here on Football at Four. Adam, thank you, man. Right, man. See you. Right, he'll be back on Friday, Andrew, tomorrow. Football at four here on the Sports Bash. We'll get Andrew's thoughts tomorrow on some more draft stuff. We'll talk safeties with him, as Adam just brought up, that that's the spot. Because what Howie Roseman said today regarding the safety position, says, well, I think we have other defensive backs there, too. We drafted Kayvon Wallace. We have two guys we brought. Andre in here from Indy, and we have Jaden Maiden, Jared Maiden here as well, and that's even before the draft. We obviously have a long time until we play a game, but we like those guys. I got news for you. Those guys aren't starting in September. Uh, Headlines on the way. Paul Hudrick is here in about 20 minutes. Stick around. More Sports Bash. Jeff Kerr tonight on all the NFL news at 5. Now.
4: Sports Bash on 973
2: ESPN. All right, 429 Sports Bash, 973 ESPN. Paul Hudrick will talk a little Sixers Raptors with us coming up at 445. At 5 at 455, we'll have a pick your trip sounder opportunity to qualify for Pick Your Trip, Eagles Road Trip. That's coming up all this hour. Here on the Sports Bass Live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm Mike Gill. Josh Henning is my producer. And, of course, we take a look at all the big stories going on in sports right now. With our headlines, uh, Debo Samuel has dominated. I got the betting odds on where what his next
3: team might be. Well, we've had plenty of Debo talk, so I'm going to get you some stories that are not related to Debo, if that's okay.
2: I'm just going to give you real quick. The yep. Eagles are 8-1 to one to be his next team. That is not the favorite. Colts are the favorite. Jets, Chiefs, Saints, Packers, Eagles.
3: There you go. I'm going to start with one of your WVU alumni, Mike.
2: This is my favorite story of the day.
3: It may not be. I don't even know if I'm... You know which WVU guy I'm talking about?
2: Uh, it, I don't know. I, I would imagine you're talking about Sheepway. I'm not. Okay.
3: Jerry West.
2: Oh, yeah. This story, too. Yeah, I did see this.
3: His lawyers are demanding a retraction and a public apology from the HBO series Winning Time in a letter sent by his legal team. West's lawyers allege that West is being portrayed falsely and cruelly. They have him portrayed like a psycho. Now, I'm about three episodes in, and I got to say, the portrayal of West is disturbing. Egregious. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's they so- have him
2: throwing trophies through windows, and they just act li- like the most
3: irrational... Idiot. Just like a, like, a, like, a, like a psychotic idiot who can't be rationalized with.
2: Yeah, the guy is the logo. Yeah. You think they're going to make that guy the logo? I can't even watch the... I, I, I'm so out on that show because of the portrayals. Make me feel that all of the stories are so fabricated.
3: Yeah, I've bailed on the show too. Now Karina Abdul-Jabbar came out with a long article. I saying read that, that the uh, the show is depicting him very wrongly as well. So
2: well, he said everybody. He said all of the characters are very one track. There's no character development. They're all one. You know that basically the writers were terrible.
3: West lawyers have said that if HBO does not issue a public disclaimer, an apology, there will be lawsuits pending for defamation. I was say,
2: what can they really do here?
3: Well, there's defamation lawsuits.
2: I don't think they'd win.
3: Probably not, but, you know.
2: The, the, the TV show, it's listed as a drama. Well, it's also. It's based off the did, Jeff Perlman book. Did yeah, Perlman no. depict these guys like that in the well, book? Well, that's the you thing the I was going to
3: get to. I read the Pearlman book, and so far, half the show that I've seen, I've bailed on the show personally. I can't take it anymore.
2: Yeah, but I watched one episode and said, "This is such a bad depiction of Jerry West. I'm out."
3: I got through three episodes, and I bailed. So, but to me, there's almost nothing in the show that is based on the Pearlman book, except for two things so far. One is what happened with Jerry Bus buying the team. And his relationship with magic, and the other part that is semi-accurate is the Norm Nixon situation. They make Norm Nixon to be a little bit of ridiculous, but uh, that's the one the thing they got right. Everything else is just completely exaggerated, over the top, or just incorrect.
2: Yeah, I'm out on the show. Um, I don't think anything's going to come from the, the lawsuit, though, and I would doubt if I'm and if I was the writers, on principle, now I wouldn't come out and apologize. <laughs> I mean, I might have just said, hey, you know, we, we're really uh, fabricating his
3: character. It's, it's a complete mischaracterization. Terrible. Now, but the
2: Shibway stuff.
3: I was going to ask you, how you feel about Sheewe uh, staying in Kentucky? So
2: those of you who don't know, Oscar Sheewe was the Wooden Award winner for College Basketball Male Player of the Year. He transferred from West Virginia to Kentucky. He wins player of the year award this year. He put his name in the hat for the NBA draft with the notion of hearing from NBA talent evaluators who told him he would not be a lottery pick. So he said he decided to go back to school, which is my favorite story of the day. A guy who said, listen, I'm I'm the best college player in the country. I'm the number one player. I won the wooden award. But I'm not going to go pro because I'm not ready. I'm going to go back and play. Can I get more of these guys? Can we get college basketball back to where there were storylines with guys coming back and juniors and seniors battling it out versus Baycott's back? He is. So can we get more of these guys saying, I'm not ready for the pros, I'm not chasing the dollar. If I'm ready, you know what I mean?
3: Well, how much of uh, the NIL do you think helps with that? that these guys like, yeah, I can get some money and stay in college.
2: He didn't really comment on it because I guess he said you're not really allowed to, maybe. I don't know. That's what he insinuated because I was waiting for – he was interviewed for like a good 10 minutes today on Sports yeah. Center, and I kept thinking, are they going to ask him about that? He said, I can't really talk about it, but I would think it has something to do with it. He, he's getting money from somewhere to stay there.
3: I mean, look, you can legally talk about it, but I think the rule is, is that – You're not allowed to discuss pending deals is basically the rule. Gotcha. Unless the deal has already been signed and delivered, you can't talk about it.
2: The fact that he's going back, though, I hope that sheds some light on these other players that say, look, he's the best player in the country, and he can go back. People oh, what do you gain from going back? Some guys just aren't ready. And going back to school and playing another year, not the worst thing in the world.
3: No, and there's a lot of guys who have gone back to school and benefited from it doesn't mean they're better NBA players per se, but they at least get a better draft spot. By the
2: way, Alec Bohm, two-run homer. Oppo, bomb. Made a nice defensive play in the uh, bottom half of the inning.
3: It's funny you mention that because my next story is something to do with this game. that's currently being played by the Phillies at the Rockies. So, I'm sure that you and most people are familiar with Rockies slugger Charlie Blackman. Mm Mm-hmm. Blackman is now the first active MLB player to have a personal endorsement with a sportsbook.
2: Yeah, I saw this. I don't know how baseball is allowing this to happen.
3: Well, Maxim Bet has reached an agreement with Blackman to be their personal endorser. Now, per MLB policy, Blackman is not allowed to promote betting on baseball, but he can endorse any sportsbook he wants. So the rule is
2: he can't... I just find it weird that they're letting active players be the spokesman for sports betting. I think it's a bad look, but... Okay.
3: As long as it's not betting on baseball he's endorsing, it's okay, according to MLB policy. That's the loophole. Now, the deal between Blackman and Maxim Bet looks like it is going to be the first of many similar deals. Not specifically for sports betting, but... Apparently, MLB's new collective bargaining agreement opens the opportunity for more off-the-beaten-path, shall we call it, endorsements for active athletes.
2: Yeah. Hey, look. Um, Blackwood happens to be up at the bat right now. What are the odds? Uncanny. Yeah, I, 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 you know, look. I don't have a, a, a strong thought one way or the other. I'm just surprised that baseball would allow it to happen. That's all. I don't have a problem with it but I think you're putting yourself down a chance to have something bad happen, that's all.
3: I'm going to lump two different stories in the one here because we'll have to do the NBA playoffs. Devin Booker is likely to be out for the next two games oh at boy. minimum, while Luka Doncic expects to be back for game three, and Woj is reporting that Ben Simmons is targeting game four yeah. for his return.
2: So the Booker thing's a
3: problem. Sorry about that. The ESPN app decided to start playing a video on me. I had to turn that thing off. Um, (laughs) The the Booker problem is serious because without him, they lose a huge part of their score.
2: Huge. I mean, he was unbelievable last night. But even if he's not unbelievable, he's a huge part of their team. I, I, I make an argument that he deserves the MVP more than Jokic.
3: I would agree with that.
2: Okay. That's one. Two. Without him last night, they just could not get that big answer. There was not, like, you know, Chris Paul is not that guy.
3: He doesn't have that juice anymore. Chris Paul is not a go-to player. Anymore. No, but he, he was never
2: really, like, the offensive leader.
3: No, but he was a guy at least you would could depend on in certain situations. Well, I can
2: depend on you, but he's not going to get me that big bucket. He's no. the point guard. He's the distributor. If I need a big bucket, I go to Booker. And him not being there makes that 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 see I would love nothing more than the Pelicans to win this in advance and tell Zion to go <laughs> pound it. Nothing better in the world than watching Zion not be a part. You know, they have tried for years to manufacture ways to get them into the playoffs, to get Zion on television that nobody cares about.
3: Who would have thought the key would have been C.J. McCollum for the franchise? Who
2: would have thought the key would have been getting Zion out of there?
3: I mean, C.J. has played extremely well since he got traded and I would argue Brand, this is the best year of Brandon in Ingram's career
2: oh Ingram's been awesome he was nothing more than just a three point shooter and he is way more than that
3: now he's also playing defense too how about them apples
2: they have so many young players on that team it's a very who would have thought that Willie Green was an NBA coach by the way when he's he was playing for the Sixers job. would anybody have said no that guy's the next the next NBA coach right there
3: I mean I I wouldn't have said it but I would have also been wrong <laughs> Who was the other two? Uh, Luka Doncic is expected back for game three.
2: Yeah, uh, Doncic's coming back huge for them, but they're better than uh, that Utah team. I think they're going to end up breaking up.
3: By the way, uh, Doncic says that Jalen Brunson should be a candidate for the most improved player of the year. I feel like Brunson
2: had a big stretch last year at one point in a similar situation. He had
3: a monster game in game two that got them to the win. Yeah. And then the third one. Ben Simmons. Oh, Ben Simmons. Projected yeah. for game four. Yeah, Ryan and
2: I talked about this for a little while during his segment, but uh, I am one of the few. I know. I know. I think Simmons could change that series. I think Boston wins a series. I had them in seven. Okay. That was before Simmons possibly could play. If Simmons comes back, I think the Nets win.
3: So you think it's that big of a swing. Yeah. Interesting. You're adding an all-star. Uh, they are adding an all-star. I think they could beat them even without Ben Simmons. I just think Ben yeah. Simmons makes it easier. All
2: right, Paul Hudrick is hanging out. We'll talk to him about the Sixers and the Raptors. Does Nick Nurse have an adjustment in his bag of tricks? we
5: Paul coming up next. Now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger
4: for the ones who get it done.
1: Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, let's bring Paul Hudrick
2: into the conversation tonight. It's game three, Pivotal. Sixers win. They go up 3-0. Sometimes if they I lose, Raptors done, yeah. and Sixer fans know how you react to a loss. you overreact like crazy. So Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers is here. I guess the number one question would be Nick Nurse uh, generally we think is, uh, you know, one of the best coaches in the league. We thought he certainly had the advantage over Doc in this series. Does he have an adjustment in his bag of tricks when they go back home? Or like game
7: two, does he do the same thing and say, if you're going to hit 50%, I'll shake your hand? Uh, so I'm sure he's going to throw some new wrinkles in there, here and there. But I still think the primary strategy is going to be, don't let Joel Embiid touch the basketball. And I think if you're a head coach of another NBA team, I, that should always be your strategy. Like, I, like yes, I Yes, I think you have to say, okay, Tyrese Maxey, keep, you know, keep having a true shooting percentage of like 86%. Tobias Harris, keep t- shooting 60% from three. You know, dare all these other guys to beat you. Um, Even like to an extent, James Harden. Like I, uh, you, quite frankly, this version of James Harden, and maybe James will get it together. Or maybe James will have a, a big night here or there. But um, if I'm like doing the whole pick my poison thing, it's still, you know, I am stopping Joel Embiid. That's what I want to do. So I, I imagine tonight, You're going to see more of the same of that. Again, maybe a few new wrinkles. Maybe they try some different things, some different coverages and some different ways to guard him. But um, if that's not, like, I can't, Nick Nurse has guarded Joel Embiid like this, Forever. So I, I can't imagine uh, it going another way, at least as far as that goes. Right. I mean, I don't know
2: how the Sixers can hit 50%, 47% again, though. I mean, can they rely... I know they're getting open looks and open shots, but you go into Toronto, Paul, thinking, hey, you're going to shoot 40%, 40, 45 50% from three again.
7: No, I mean, it's... You're right. It's, it's a total outlier. To shoot damn near 50% over two playoff games is pretty insane, but... Again, when you look at, like like you just said, I mean, they're, they're these are great looks because of what their strategy is. Their strategy is pack the paint, um, don't let Joel Embiid get the ball, and don't give up any sh- any shots at the rim um, because they don't have a true shot blocker either. So that's part of their strategy, too, is they don't have a rim protector. So they need to play team defense like that. But the issue is when you do that, if you have a team, you have a player like Joel Embiid who is playing a really unselfish brand of basketball. You have a James Harden who is an, an still would say whatever you want about him in the hamstring whether it's healthy whatever is an incredible passer Um one of the best you know maybe in nba history i mean, then you you know then you have guys like maxi and tobias harris that not only can they make that outside shot but if you're over aggressive on your closeout they can get by you and get to the rim so um it's i i don't expect the sixers to shoot as well as they have but here's the thing mike the first two games have been blowouts like they've crushed them because they've shot the ball well if they just shoot the ball decently, I still like the Sixers, even though maybe the game is a little bit closer.
2: I was going to say, if they don't shoot 45% and they only shoot 30%, what, how does that change the game?
7: It may, clearly, it's gonna, it would be a tighter game, but I also have seen nothing out of the Toronto Raptors offense that leads me to believe that they're going to do anything to bust out of it. I don't think Fred Van Vliet's is 100% healthy, and I think you can see like you know, he's having to chase Tyrese Maxey around right now. Fred Van Vliet's a very good defender. Um, but asking him to to guard Tyrese Maxey for you know whatever forty minutes, and then to give that you know to potentially score thirty points and, and run the offense—that's a really big ask for a guy who's not one hundred percent. You saw OG Ananobi have have a really good night. He's he's a very good player. I think he's going to be a factor. Uh, Tobias Harris has done really an outstanding job on Pascal Siakam through two games. So, I, but this is like as much as you know Jackson Frank, who writes for Liberty Ballers, had a really excellent point where it's like. I think a lot of us, myself included, focus too much on what the Raptors do well and not enough on what the Sixers do well Um, because the the Sixers turn the tables on what the Raptors do well. They're not getting the offensive rebounds they need. The Sixers aren't turning the ball over, so there's none of those transition opportunities. So um, I think the fact that they've done that, even if they shoot poorly from three – They have other avenues to victory, and I think that that's going to be the case throughout the rest of the series. How
2: much has this series changed because of no Barnes, no Trent? I I, I think the Sixers might win both games, but do we think differently about where this series is in terms of they dominate it? But is it as
7: 33 points a game are out of their lineup? Sure, and that's going to hurt any team. Um, it's certainly going to affect the competitive balance of the game. But even when Scotty Barnes was playing in Game 1, the Sixers looked pretty damn good. Uh, Barnes, to his credit, actually looked like, you know, for stretches, like he was their best player in Game 1 uh, before he unfortunately went down. But, again, I, I think it's more, does like does Scotty Barnes, can he swing an entire game? No, I don't think so. But he can certainly, again, make it more competitive. Um, And it's just another option for them. Right now, I think what you're seeing with them, too, when they don't have Barnes and, you know, when Trent Jr. banged up, they have to go to, like, Malachi Flynn, who just, quite frankly, isn't big enough, strong enough, fast enough, ready for this moment at all. And and again, that puts more pressure on Fred Van Vliet to have to carry the offensive load, to have to be their primary ball handler. So, of course, getting Barnes back, getting a, a pivotal rotational player would be huge, but I don't think it's enough to say, like, oh, well, they, they win both games with Barnes, or they lose both games without him, you know what I mean? I, I don't think it's quite that um, big of a, of a difference.
2: Um, give me something in your mind, Paul, you go into tonight with Toronto saying, they haven't done this yet, but it's bound to happen. As far as, like, what the Raptors could do, like, positively? Or... Yeah, something that they just, you know, you thought they would be able to do in this series, but just hasn't happened yet.
7: I mean, I really thought that Siakam would be. I mean, it, you saw that last game he played against them in Toronto. He was. He looked like Giannis. Um, yeah. He scored 37 points. He was brilliant in that game. And he, he, to his credit, he ended the regular season on a really high note. He was very, very good down the stretch. Um, through two games, I just haven't seen a guy like he's had his moments. But most of those moments, quite frankly, have come against George Niang, who's really a bad matchup. Um, so I mean, if anything, I could maybe see someone like a Siakam perhaps have a big night. You know maybe turn things around a little bit, being at home, getting the juice of the of the home fans, maybe that fires him up and he goes off a little bit. Um, but other than that, yeah I, I don't and I think that's this is where Nick nurse is and this is why he is kind of acting the way he's acting in his in his post game press conferences. I don't think he has a lot of answers right now. I think the sixers look it's only two games I, I get that and, and things could change in, in, a, in a drop of a hat I get it. But through two games, the Sixers have just looked like a significantly better basketball team.
2: So far, yes. Um, and then the other thing would be Maxi. Can they do anything differently against Maxi? Or because of the way you have to figure out what to do with Embiid and Harden, to some extent, is dealing with Maxi just almost, I don't want to say impossible, but
7: uh, do they not have an yeah, answer for that? <laughs> yeah, I, the way they play defense and the way they want to switch that uh, up top, that pick and roll, it makes it really difficult because if if maxie and Harden are keep running that pick and roll, when Maxi if they switch it, because uh, they're the, the 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 reality is they're as much as they're both perimeter guards and, and they do a lot of really good work in the half court. They're very different, right? Like James Harden is strong; he's a really strong guard. He's very physically imposing and difficult for smaller guards to cover. Whereas Maxi is 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 fast; he's quick and he's going to blow by bigger guys. So it, once they get you in that switch. You know, if, if you have OG Ananobi, who is, uh, again, a good defender, if he has to sprint out to try to get to Tyrese Maxey on those pick and rolls, either Maxey's going to be wide open because OG An- is not going to be able to close out fast enough, or he's going to go bl- blow right by him because um, be- because he's just way too fast. So I, I think the way the Raptors want to play defense, the way they scramble, the way they want to create chaos and create turnovers, they can't do that successfully with Tyrese Maxey with the way the Sixers are configured like you said with Joel and and with James Harden demanding so much attention um, you know it, it's it's and then not only that like Mike Danny Green really good shooter George Niang really good shooter Shake Milton also a pretty good shooter so if you're going to collapse on these guys they have so many options on the outside to hurt you so um I, the, the Tyrese Maxey cover is going to be a really difficult thing, I think, throughout this entire series for the Raptors.
2: Uh, he's Paul Hudrick, Liberty Ballers. They'll have full coverage of tonight's Game 3, 8 o'clock, right here on 97.3 ESPN. We've got a ton of text reaction we'll get to next hour as well. Paul Hudrick, 3-0, or do we get a series? I think it's a close one, but
7: I actually do. I think they go 3-0. All right.
2: Well, uh, I hope so. I don't need a game six. I want no game six. I can't make the programming decision of Sixers versus the draft next Thursday. I cannot win that one. So get me off of a game six. Can you promise me that?
7: No, I can't promise you, but I prefer it. Uh, I, I think it, 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 I would actually be surprised if this series comes back to Toronto. I, I, I do. I, I lean towards five games, but... Um, I don't feel great about it either.
2: All right. Uh, check out Paul Hudrick on Twitter, at Paul Hudrick. Thanks, pal. You got it, Mike. All right. Uh, Paul Hudrick, uh, of course, will be back on Friday to recap the game. We'll talk about that and more. But right now. <laughs> ah, it's my favorite moment of the hour. I get to register another listener to win an Eagles road trip. Yes. You picked the trip. One lucky winner will qualify for an Eagles road trip. You got to be caller seven. ESPN and if you are caller 7 you are entered for a chance to win an Eagles road trip for 2 to the Eagles road game of your choice you pick the game and we'll send you with airfare, hotel stay a pregame tailgate party and 2 tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice you must be present to win on Thursday, April 28th at Slack-Tide Brewing Company. And the trip is courtesy of Philly Sports Road Trips. Plan your trip at phillysportstrips.com. And
1: food provided by Ernest & Son's Old Fashioned Butcher Shop from Brigantine. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. space.
2: 503 Sports Bash, Susan in Egg Harbor City. Congratulations. She's a qualifier. She has a shot to win an Eagles road trip to the Eagles road game of her choice. If she is selected next Thursday at Slack Tide Brewing, she will step to the podium and say, with the first pick, I am going to this Eagles road game. Susan seems like a uh, Arizona. I think that's where she would go. Do you know? You ask these people when you talk to them, which road game are you interested in? I do not. Got that information?
3: No. My biggest priority is making sure they know the date, the location, and stuff like that.
2: Just see if you uh, had an indication of where people are thinking.
3: Uh, that has not been on my repertoire of things to uh, These discuss. These are the kind
2: of things that go through my mind. Like that, I want to get the insight of people. Hey, if you win, where would you go? Which which road game are you picking?
3: Maybe you should ask them when they show up that day on Thursday. Well, I mean,
2: that day I could find out, but I'm trying to get a little little insight before. I like to have like the analytics beforehand. Twenty five percent of listeners would like to go to this Eagles road game.
3: Uh, You said analytics.
2: Yeah, well, you got to have more. The more information you can have at your disposal when you go into something, the better. You know, the better show I can have. I have a better show if I have the better
3: information. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just, I just had this visual of like a pie chart explaining like what everybody's interested in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, I mean, for my liking, this year, and I will say this, I would think the road schedule. Um, this season, if I'm ranking them, Mm -hmm. Arizona, I've never been to Indianapolis mixed reviews. I know some people love Indy, other people, not so much. Houston's an underrated city. So Houston, I think would be high on the list. If you ask me though, Mike Gill, you won, you know, the whole point of the pick your trip is it's draft day. Right. You get to draft which road game you want to go to. Sure. If you said to me, Mike Gill, which trip are you going on? I'm stepping to that podium, and I'm saying send me to Chicago. Soldier Field, baby. I don't know how much longer Soldier Field's going to be there.
3: Yeah, aren't they going to be moving soon to a new, like, spot? That's the rumor. An innuendo. Yeah, there's. A th- I thought they were developing, because where... Oh, my goodness. Where, wherever they had the NFL draft in Chicago, like that, that park area last time, I think that's where they were looking to potentially move the stadium.
2: Yeah, Soldier Field uh, could be coming down to its last years here. So I would rank them as Chicago, I think, number one. I don't care about weather. I'm not someone who picks a destination <laughs> based on my weather. So but, I don't care how cold it is.
3: Yeah, the, the weather to me is a non-factor no, in frivolous. my
2: decision. Last on my list is Washington. I have Zippo desire to go to FedEx Field.
3: Nobody does in their right mind.
2: So I'm going Washington last. Second to last would probably be Detroit. Although, I mean, downtown Detroit's pretty cool. There's stuff to do. But Detroit, just don't have a lot of interest next to some of these others. So Washington's last. Then Detroit. New York would be next. I, have, I don't need to go to MetLife Stadium. Although, if, you know, if you want to see... See, that would be the thing. Do you want to go see the game for the game or do you want to go see the game for the city? Do you want to go see this, the game for the stadium?
3: Mine would be the second one. I want to go for the city. I want to go. I would want to go somewhere. I haven't been before. That would be my goal. I'm
2: not picking a spot that I've already been.
3: Like if you're a regular Eagles fan and a lot, I believe a lot of people who are qualifying are, they're very excited usually about picking an Eagles game. You're getting that vibe. I'm getting that vibe. People are excited. People are excited. So excited they to tell me their name sometimes, which is funny. <laughs> but the, the general belief I have is most Eagle fans, they've been to an away game, have been the Giants stadium or Washington at some point, potentially. So my theory would be if I'm an, you know, if I'm an Eagles fan who I know where I've been already, where haven't I been? And that would be this opportunity. So that's why I like your idea of Chicago. I like the idea of Houston, for example. Yeah, I
2: think Chicago would be one. Houston would be two. I'd probably go Dallas three. Okay. Have Arizona you been to Dallas four. Before? I have been to Dallas before, but not the stadium. Not really Dallas. You're not in Dallas. You're in Fort Worth. Right. The stadium is in Fort Worth, Texas. That,
3: that metroplex
2: of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so Dallas is probably 45 minutes away. So I, when I was in Dallas, Fort Worth, they, the stadium was being built. It was okay. not there yet. I actually went to a Phillies-Rangers game. Oh, nice. At whatever. The, the Rangers already have a new ballpark. The ballpark <laughs> at Arlington's already gone. I know. It already is. How many years was that there? Five? <laughs> Seriously. Up. That building. And, and I said, of all the, the road, of all of the visiting stadiums I had been to, the ballpark at Arlington was one of the worst. I did not. There was nothing that stood out about the ballpark at Arlington. So, I do not recommend. It's not there anymore,
3: though. Well, now it's called Croctow Stadium, apparently. It's now being used as a multi-purpose stadium since the Rangers left. they It was originally opened in 1994.
2: You know what's funny? Okay, so that was built in 1994. So, you think about it. That wasn't all... I mean, 94... It, it is a like I said the other day. Uh, Camden Yards is thirty years old. Right. That was ninety two. So ninety four, you're coming up on thirty years. Thinking about a stadium being thirty years old back in the day. In other words, when Veterans Stadium was built in the seventies, when it got torn down, you were it was like over right around thirty years old. Right. When, when did that? When would? When was Veteran Stadium done? Like oh four oh five. I think it was 04. Let me double-check. When By did the- it open? 71?
3: By the way, really quick. You know who plays now at what is now what used to be the ballpark of Arlington? Your XFL Dallas Renegades.
2: Are they going to be in the new XFL? Did yeah. they announce the teams? Yes. I didn't know they announced the team names.
3: Well, they're going to use the same team names. Hmm. Okay. But the XFL team and... Your MLS team down there. That's a big is
2: stadium North for. North Texas SC. That's a big stadium for that stuff. Oh. Hey. Big baseball ballpark. Anyway. At least they're using it. So. So veteran stadium you're asking Veteran me stadium was built when? 72? When was the first season of, of the vet? Like 71, 72 sometime in that range? 71. All right. So 71. And I think it's last year was 04 or 05 for the Phillies. No. 04 for the Phillies. 03. 05. O three for the Phillies. It was
3: demolished in O four, but the last game played there was O three.
2: So seventy one. So two thousand three was the last time there was a game played there. Right? Correct.
3: And uh, you said seventy one. So it took them. Looks th- like four years to build it too. The vet.
2: Yeah, but like so that stadium. When you go back to nineteen seventy one, two thousand three. It only lasted 32 years. But you felt like, okay, this thing is way outlasted its usefulness. Right? Right? <laughs> Camden Yards you feel like it could go for another 60 years. I mean, when I said it was 30 years old the other day. 30. Now when did Ballpark in Arlington go away?
3: Uh that would be 2019 was the last year
2: the Rangers played there. So they have been out of that ballpark for now 3 seasons. So 2019 is when they got out of there. So they only used the ballpark. When did you say it was uh, 94? They only used it for 25 years. So they got less years out of it than the the Phillies got out of the vet.
3: By the way, the current stadium is called Globe Life Field. Because that's memorable.
2: Right. I don't care. (laughs) all I care about that for. But they only used that stadium for 25 years. Mm -hmm. They used ballpark in Arlington for less Years that the Phillies need the, the vet. So they're already out of there. The Braves, they went from Turner Field to the truest park. They couldn't have been at Turner Field for more than 15 years.
3: I want to say Turner Field was 96. Let me double check.
2: Because they were at Fulton County Stadium and then they went to Turner Field and Turner Field.
3: 97 to 2016.
2: 97 to 2016. All right, so about 20 years.
3: Yeah, barely.
2: Yeah. That was a quick little stop. Like, I can't imagine. I can't even think about when the Phillies will be getting out of Citizens Bank Park. But they've already been there 20 years. Right. That would be like the Phillies getting out of Citizens Bank Park now. Right now. Right now. Literally. Like, that's it. We're done. We're going to a new ballpark. I don't think the Phillies will get out of that park for 40 years.
3: I feel pretty comfortable saying that Philadelphia is not changing that sports complex. I don't think they would change the
2: sports complex, but I think they will do similar. Like, they'll just build it where the vet used to be. The next time the Phillies get a stadium, they'll probably just put it where the vet used to be, tear down Citizens Bank Park, and that'll be the... I mean, basically, they'll just keep flipping back and forth. But when's the next time that the, the Eagles or the Phillies... The next one would probably be the Flyers and the Sixers. That would be the next stadium that's built, I would imagine. You
3: think so? Yeah, I
2: mean, that place has been there since, what, 94? Let me double check. Wells Fargo, 94, 96. One of those two. I think it's either 94
3: or 96. I know it was mid-90s. Yeah.
2: I think it was, like, it's um, 94 or 96 is when they... Uh, Ninety six. Okay, so ninety six. It opened as the Core State Center. Yeah, so ninety six is when that place opened. Um, so you know you're you're looking at a stadium that's creeping up on thirty years
3: old now. Do you think it needs to be replaced?
2: No, they put a lot of work into it. No, the, the, the they've put a, the concourses are all new, the seats are all new. So I think they're going to get another ten years at least out of that place. Gotcha. But how long was the Spectrum up for? Let's find out. The Spectrum went up what? I want to say that was maybe 30 years. But that's my point, is those stadiums were old and outlived their usefulness. In 30 years, you were like, okay, this place is done. Like, you need a new one. But I don't think the Wells Fargo Center needs to be replaced.
3: The Spectrum opened in 1967.
2: So, 67, and it went away when?
3: It was actually older than the Vet. Yeah, it was built before the Vet. Um, the Flyers stopped playing there in 96 But the building wasn't demolished And closed until 2009
2: Yeah, they were playing like uh, Wings games there And they had concerts and stuff Spilled
3: off your phantoms Spilled off your wings When did the six Flyers start stop using it?
2: 96? After
3: the 96 season
2: So you're looking at that place Was used full time for 30 years 29 years I, I, So basically where 29 years is basically where Wells Fargo is now, right around okay. there. So I don't think that they need to get one anytime soon. No. I don't think they're going to either because if you have been in there recently, they've redid all the seats. They redid all of the the, the luxury boxes, all of the suites. They, they have really – done all the concourses over. They put a lot of money in and renovating that place.
3: So now back to our original point, one of the reasons why you picked Chicago's number one was because Soldier Field may not be there much longer.
2: That would be it. See, if I'm going somewhere, it's because of the, the city and the stadium, all of that I'm taking into account. Soldier Field with the history. Now people are t- texting in that the Eagles could possibly play the Cardinals in Mexico City. Is that a possibility? Have I that? have
3: not seen that.
2: I know the Cardinals play. They're one of the teams that play in Mexico
3: City this year. Here it is. So the Bears have submitted a bid to acquire Arlington International Race Course, which would be the site of where they would potentially build a new stadium. So technically it's not even in the city anymore. Yeah, so you got Arlington at least Heights.
2: you've got you've got at least another 5 years on the on minimum. Of Soldier Field,
3: yeah. So it says right here that the team's lease goes through twenty thirty three, but they have the option to get out by twenty twenty three or twenty twenty six.
2: That's next year, twenty twenty three.
3: Now they don't have a stadium ready by twenty twenty three. The idea is that they would break ground at. um, As I'm reading this from NBC Chicago, they would potentially break ground in Arlington Heights in 2023, making the 2026 opt-out option, which would cost them about $84 million. Well. And that price tag goes down every year. Well, if you've seen Soldier Field, I mean,
2: it doesn't look anything like Soldier Field, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the original Soldier Field. I drove by it years ago when I was in Chicago um, but I've never been to a game there. So I would pick Soldier Field as the place I would like to go if uh, I got the opportunity. I think that NRG Stadium in Houston is probably uh, pretty cool. Um, all the stadiums. I mean, football's a little different. But, you know, um, that place in Arizona, where they what do they call that? The University of Phoenix? Or University
3: whatever, of Phoenix, Whatever yeah. it's called.
2: That place is pretty cool looking. You know, they got that whole bubble indoor look thing. I don't like to watch a football game indoors, though.
3: Would you make an exception for this situation?
2: (laughs) No, I'm going to Soldier Field. Okay. If I get to pick, I'm going to Soldier Field there. Uh, 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. So, a lot of the complicated conversation today. Uh, Sixers, Raptors, of course, that's tonight. We previewed that game a bunch. By the way, Phillies are in action. It's 4-4. Schwarber went deep. So, Schwarber's now 5 for his last 10 with 3 homers and 5 RBI. So he's starting to warm up a little bit, also. And of a all sudden.
3: since they took him out of the leadoff spot. He's yeah, he's
2: hitting six today.
3: I think that's a sign to keep him out of the leadoff spot, Mike.
2: Well, I mean, they don't have a lot of options in that spot. Segura, they said they're going to keep Segura one and Hoskins two. Mm-hmm. Today, Joe Girardi said we're going to leave those two guys there for a little while and see how this plays out. Boom also hit a homer today. Two run opposite field jack. And I guess, you know, you gotta start wondering if Boehm is gonna start getting the play the starts at third base now. I mean, he's played third, what, three straight games now? He's hitting five hundred. Um again, I don't have a problem with Bohm's bat. I've always been a Bohm guy, um, and been criticized heavily for it, by the way. But my problem with Bohm is even as a Bohm guy is defensively he's so bad. Right. But I guess the Phillies are going to let him try to iron that out on the fly here.
3: And you don't want to lose at-bats for Stott because he has played well. So you keep alternating him between short and second. Then? Well,
2: Stott's actually been struggling at the plate. He's down. The last few games. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really. But he started out well. He did start out well, but he's he's under 150 at this point. He struck out five times in a row. Um, I, so you haven't seen a lot of him. I, he, he was in the lineup. Was he in the lineup last night or did he hit for somebody last night? Because I did see him fly out deep. But. I
3: thought he he might have pinch hit last night. He might
2: have pinch yeah. hit because Camargo, I think, came into the game and played short for uh, D.D. definitely
3: pitched. I remember that distinctly. Camargo
2: is three for three today, by the way. He started it short because D.D. got hit. But that tells you something. They didn't even go to Stott as the backup shortstop in this game with D.D. out. So Camargo, three hits today. Boehm is two for three with the two-run homer. Schwarber has a homer. Uh, Castellanos hit a homer as well. So the Phillies offense today... It's 4 4, and you're into the bullpen now. Brad Hand is into the game. The Phillies are up the bat. Castellanos is up the bat with runners at first and second, and nobody out here in the seventh. And he just got a base hit, so you're going to have bases loaded.
3: Yeah, stop pinch hit for uh, Veerling last night.
2: Okay. Well, I think Bohm is settling in at third, at least for now. I don't. I Think he's made an error today? It's crazy. You have to actually look for that. He had that wonky play last night. It's a ground ball hit to him, was on a double play ball, he was his footwork was kind of lousy. But
3: here it is. So I'm not
2: asking him to be Brooks Robinson.
3: Yeah. So Stotts, two of his first four games in the, with a team, he had two for four games. Since that, he hasn't had a hit at all. Yeah, so no, I, I know he
2: got off to a hot start the first couple of games, but he's really he had like five straight strikeouts. He's been struggling yep, a bit.
3: That was so, the Marlins game.
2: Yeah, because there was a guy tweeting at me, you know, why don't they play Stott over Didi? And I said, what is, Stott hasn't done anything to take that job, right? He hasn't grabbed that job. So, so far, Camargo. By the way, Camargo is a better defensive player than all of them oh yeah definitely and on a team that's wretched defensively
3: he's got to play if someone has to
2: that's for sure well you can't play your nine worst defensive players somebody has to be able to field their position out there so Camargo when he plays third he's the best third baseman when he plays short he's the best shortstop so that's why you're getting a look at Camargo yeah, it's at not recommended
3: mike
4: no,
2: but <laughs> Boehm right now, the way he's hitting, they're going to keep putting him in the
3: lineup. And you know what? Why not at this point?
2: Well, and look, I like Boehm again, but my point has been if you can't field your position, you can't play. Sorry, but this team has a bunch of guys who can't field their position. Correct. So you can't penalize him over everybody else. But I will say, he is definitively the worst of them all. He is the worst defensive player out of Schwarber, Castellanos. Out of the group. Yeah. So that's why trying to find him DH at bats is uh, is a little tougher. Plus, you have Hoskins, um, Harper having to DH right now because of this elbow issue. All right. Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We've got a little NFL in the way with Jeff Kerr. Before we do that, I want to tell you about my friend, Dr. Paul Lewis. Over at South Jersey Advanced Health Solutions, you know, I've been telling you about my allergy issues. Well, I don't have them anymore. That's because of Dr. Paul. If you have allergies, somebody you know has allergies, everybody knows somebody. You're like, my God, it's allergies. You know, you want to go out somewhere, maybe have a drink somewhere, and your buddy's allergies are so bad, he's like, "I I can't go. My nose is running. I'm sneezing. Well, we can take care of that for you. Dr. Paul Lewis, 856-285-4788. You might be allergic to alcohol. You might be allergic to the hops in the beer. You might be allergic to mold. You might be allergic to dust, dog hair, cat hair. Somebody out there, I'm sure, is allergic to red meat or seafood. He can test you out, take care of all that. It's a quick, easy, painless procedure. You're in and out, half hour or so. You're back to work. I say procedure, it's really nothing. I mean, it, it, it's so frivolous how quick and easy it is to get this taken care of. You'd be kicking yourself if you're sniffling and sneezing and your eyes are itching and your throat's scratching. Get your allergies taken care of like I did. Call 856-285-4788 for Dr. Paul Lewis. When we come back, Debo Samuel wants to be traded. What will it take? Jeff Kerr with the answer, next.
5: Now.
1: More Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey sports leader.
2: 5.30 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports, by the way. Alec Bohm with a sacrifice fly. And now a three-run bomb. It's like Camargo. People keep asking me, why they keep playing Camargo? He's hitting like 400. That's why. Uh, Boehm, though, with another uh, big day. He's got three RBI on the day, and the Phillies lead it now in Colorado, 9-4. to four. We'll keep you up to date on that. Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports Covers. The NFL is with me right now. A lot of NFL news going on. Jeff Kerr, what's up, man? Well, you just saw the
9: silent uh, fist pumping over here after Camargo's three-run-run. I've been on... I've been on the train. Let's play Yoan Camargo. Let's play Alec Bohm and let's send Bryson Stott back to Triple A. But no one seems to listen to me here, Mike.
2: Yeah, well, they've got uh, Bohm and Camargo in the lineup because Didi was hurt today, so uh, Camargo played short. Uh, so there you go. We'll see. Uh, they got to find a way to keep Bohm and uh, I guess Camargo because Camargo plays yeah. defense. Boehm does not. Uh, but good day so far. Uh, we'll see if they can hold this up. Now I got to ask the bullpen to get involved. Big day in the NFL. Oh, let's shift over to there. Um, Debo Samuel wants to be traded, doesn't seem salvageable at this point. Everybody's going to make the call. Uh, What kind of call – what's the call like between Howie Roseman and and John Lynch?
9: Well, I know this is before, I guess, Howie Roseman's press conference today was probably about, what, an hour before Debo Samuel said he wanted to be traded. But from from what I've gathered and just by what he's saying – it doesn't seem like the Eagles are – now, again, we got to remember this beforehand. It doesn't seem like the Eagles are interested in training for a guy like that, or maybe they're interested in training for him, but paying him is a much different story.
2: Um, what kind of offer does it make sense? A first-round pick? Um, does that have to be – that do you have to start with a first-round pick? I mean, he's interesting. He was a second-round pick. He has one huge year of production. He is a little older, and he's on the last year of his deal. Do you get any leverage by the fact that Guy doesn't want to be there anymore? He's 26. He was a second-round pick, and he only has really one big year of production.
9: I would give a first and a third. I'd start there. Maybe you add in one of those fifths You know, just to kind of spice spice up the pot a little bit, but... I mean, I definitely would give up a first for him. I'd say that. Uh, I know he's only had one good year, but he's a really good football player. And I think he's a guy that can fit really well in this offense. Now, from the looks of it, Debo Samuel does not want to run the ball as much as he did last year. And Kyle Shanahan definitely ran his legs off the second half of last year. And I think Debo was a good soldier because the 49ers were making the run to the Super Bowl. So why not? But if you want to – I don't think he liked that role but I think he wants to get paid too. And I don't think he wants to be out of the NFL by the time he's 29 or 30 because you're running the football for him too much. Just because you can do it doesn't mean these guys necessarily want to do it. But I would give a first, a third, and potentially a fifth. But i definitely start first and third.
2: So the next question is, why does he want out of San Francisco?
9: Um, Pretty much the role. I think it's the role and the amount of money. Okay, well, let's stop there then.
2: Let's stop there then, Jeff. If he doesn't like his role in San Francisco – does Philadelphia want him for the same role, a similar role, or do they say, no, we'll do something different with you because I think people
9: want him because of the role he played in San Francisco? I think a lot of teams do, but I, I think he doesn't mind the role. I just think he's used in the role too much. Like, you get – I forget how many carries he ended up with last year. It might have been 56. I could be wrong on that number, but that's just the number I popped up in my head. Um, that's a lot of carries for a wide receiver. He was the first – player in NFL history to have 1,400 receiving yards and 300 rushing yards in a season. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a lot of rushing yards. Now, you can use him in that role, but maybe only 20, 30 touches a year at running back, I wouldn't give him 50 or 60. And I think he's looking at it as, look, I want to get paid as both a wide receiver and a running back if you're going to use me in that role. So $25 million just ain't going to cut it.
2: Yeah, I mean, knowing that you have to pay him because this is one of the reasons why all these receivers want to get out. Is the juice worth the squeeze, especially if he says, hey, you can have me, but I don't want to be in that role that I was in San Francisco?
9: I think the juice is worth the squeeze for the Eagles. and um, Maybe for the Green Bay Packers. Maybe for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think Kansas City would actually do that because they just traded Tyree this Here is the wild card in this, Mike. This receiver draft is really, really good in you know, where the Eagles are picking and where in, late in this first round. I mean, you've got good guys like Garrett Wilson, uh, I'm a little higher on Drake London than most people. Obviously, you got Jameson Williams in there. I get, these guys are playmakers. Um, the kid from North Dakota say uh, Christian Watson, he's another good player. And he's probably going to get picked late in the first round. So I don't know why you would pay these guys a lot of money when you got these draft picks. But teams can do some crazy things, and they want proven commodities. But I think sooner or later, one of these teams are going to have to say, look, we're not the NBA here. You got a contract, you honor it, and then you can go seek your money.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see what happens on draft night. Do you? I mean, uh, uh, the do you think the 49ers acquiesce and say, "All right, you want out, we'll move you"?
9: I'd rather pay him than Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance.
2: Yeah, but are we at the point where they said we? You know, they approached him about it, and he doesn't even want to talk about it.
9: Yeah, I, I guess he's fed up. I guess he's done. I guess he doesn't like his role there. I guess he doesn't like. The culture there, um, you know, maybe he just said, hey, I'm out. Uh, you know, there's no negotiating with me. I'm out and I'll, I'll find somewhere else to go. Did you see he happened to like a tweet that said we would like you in like the a Dallas Cowboys uniform or something yeah. like that? Yep. How are they going to afford
2: Right. Well, uh, yeah, that's, you know, frivolous uh, thoughts right there. You look at the, they can't afford bringing him in. But Darius Slay gave the eyes and then so did Avante Maddox. So- yeah, I
9: saw both of them did up. Uh, Eagles got money to do it. It's not like they're they're low here.
2: No, the Eagles definitely could get it done, but there'll be there'll be other suitors, so you might have to overpay and then pay him,
9: which is okay. Uh, I mean, for a player like him, I do it. You're going to get a good Debo Samuel for at least four or five years if you can make him happy, and you know who knows, maybe he'll want to go back to the East Coast. I mean, South Carolina went to South Carolina for college. He's a really good player. I mean, I think Nick and I would get the most out of him. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I just, you know, I, I you, you say that he doesn't want to be in that role anymore. That's the only thing that concerns me is I like him because I want to use him in the role that they hoped Jalen Rager would be able to fill and he has failed in.
9: I'll say this. I don't compare myself to a professional athlete, but as a competitive bowler, I like bowling fourth. I like bowling first. But if I'm on a loaded team, I don't like bowling third. But if I'm on a loaded team, I'll bowl third. Just saying.
2: Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, you don't want me bowling with you at all. That's, that, that's what I can tell you. Oh, no, you.
9: I would take you, Mike, in the handicap league. I'll get you better.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty bad, man. I played for three years, and I sucked all three. Um, I went from like – well, I, I actually went from like a 100 to like a 158.
9: That's about where my brother in law is now. He started last year and he was so embarrassed because he was averaging like 80, 90, shot 57, 1. Now he, if he, he'll get a 57 after three frames now. It's practice makes perfect. I'm I bad.
2: I'm, I'm pretty bad. You don't want me on your team. I'm, I'm warning you now. Uh, Jeff Kerr, CBS Sports, wrote about the perfect Eagles draft. So what does it look like?
9: Jameson Williams. That's the perfect draft. I, I mean, if you can get him at 15 or 18, uh, preferably 15. Sign me up. Uh, Devin Lloyd, he fills a lot of needs for you. Again, I, I've been pounding the table for him. If they get one of those two, I think that's a perfect first round. And that's what I wanted to focus on with the Eagles this year, the first round, because they have those two first-round picks, and they have the two first-round picks next year. It's really hard for Howie Rosen to screw this up, Mike, if we're going to be honest. You can get Andrew Booth, you can get Derek Stingley, you can get Trent McDuffie. I prefer Booth for Stingley over those. If, if You can trade up for Sauce Gardner. This team has a lot of needs, but there's also a lot of players where they have needs for. So there's about 12 or 15 players that the Eagles could draft in the first round. You could say, you know what? They had a pretty good draft. That's all I got to say about
2: it. Um, Yesterday, uh, we were going through a lot of the receivers. And, you know, you have Traylon Burks. You've got Jameson Williams. You've got um, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. So there's going to be options in that spot there it seems like and roseman kind of hinted today like hey we haven't done anything at corner and wide receiver uh so far but that doesn't mean that you know we're we're gonna change our draft approach i wonder if that means well that's because we like people there
9: well i think that's what it is i think they like the cornerback class i think the, they like the wide receiver class uh, he likes the linebacker class i was a little kind of surprised by that um Again, I, I think I'd rather take Devin. Lloyd Did he admit that? I, I think he does. Um, <laughs> you know that question about Lloyd and Dean was pretty interesting. It it seemed like he wasn't giving anything away, but it seems like he really likes both those guys. So, it it, it looks like both are going to be there by their second first round pick. So we'll see.
2: Well, he also mentioned that he likes what he, his safety position looks like right now. I don't yeah, know he that does. I can. I don't know that I can believe him there.
9: I, I don't believe him there one bit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not buying what he's selling. Uh, you know, Marcus Epps could be a starter. In t- I think he's good enough to be a starter. That doesn't mean the Eagles want him to be a starter. I'll just say that.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think um, as we approach here, we get closer. Um, if there's a trade-up, what position it for?
9: I'll say Sauce Gardner. I'll say cornerback.
2: So if they do trade-up, it's for a corner Sauce Gardner.
9: Yeah. He's- a difference making corner. Because that way you got the long term placement for Darius Slay, and he gets to play with Darius Slay. I think that's going to be huge. Tri- and th- to me, that guy's the best cornerback in this draft. No yeah. doubt about it.
2: A lot of people like him. Where do you have to trade up to get him?
9: I would say eight or nine. If he falls to 10, though, i say the Eagles pounce.
2: Because my question is there's a lot of murmurs about Carolina wanting to get out of six because, you know, they think six is too high to take a quarterback. So is there any interest there at six for Philadelphia? Hey, Carolina, we know you want to move.
9: I say there is. I think Carolina's just kind of letting it known that, hey, we're interested in trading down if we can and stockpile more picks. Because after six, I'm trying to remember Carolina's next pick. I don't think it's still the third round or it may even be the fourth. They gave so, up.
2: Yeah, they traded a second and third to get Darnold.
9: Yeah. So, yeah, they'll have to pick to the fourth. So – I can see why they want to trade down that pick there. I, I totally understand that. By the way, I've told Carolina, I told the Pampers flagship radio station this. I told a lot of people down Charlotte this. Just draft the quarterback or trade for Baker Mayfield. Just don't go with Sam Darley. I actually think Carolina's a lot better team than what they look on paper.
2: Yeah. Um, I'd be okay with that if I'm them. I don't reach for a quarterback in this draft, especially if I can get Mayfield. You might say, well, he's you know what he is. Yeah, he's better than I think everybody in this draft. He was the number one pick. He took a team to the playoffs, won a playoff game.
9: By the way, did you see my little Baker Mayfield-Steelers thing starting to get some more play here? I, I said Steelers would sign him in a second if he's released. They'd be the team. Hmm.
2: If the Browns I, think, just, I
9: think teams want him. I really do. I just don't think they want to pay $18 million for Baker.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't either.
9: I wouldn't, I wouldn't either, him. but I, I agree with you. I think he's better than what people think he is. I think the league knows that too. All
2: right, Jeff Kerr at Jeff Kerr CBS, and uh, we're getting closer to draft. Eight days away, we'll have plenty more. Uh I'll keep an eye on this Debo Samuel stuff as well. Uh, it looks like he's going to be traded. Would, do you think he will be traded on draft night?
9: I think he will be traded by the draft, yes. I, I do think he will not be a San Francisco 49 I, I would be shocked if he's back at the 49ers at this point.
2: Okay, there you go. Jeff, we'll talk to you Friday, man.
9: Yep, sounds good. Oh, uh, I'll be in Pittsburgh Friday. So next Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You have my undivided attention, Mike Hill.
2: Gotcha. All right, man. Well, <laughs> draft day is uh, getting close. We'll be uh, talking to him next week then. All right, Jeff. Yep. Appreciate it. Sounds
9: great. See you Monday. Jeff
2: Kerr's back Monday. No Jeff on Friday. He's back Monday here on the Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. All right, people. Caesar Sportsbook is giving a feast to new users. And by feast, I mean $250 Uber Eats gift card. Here's how it works. Just bet $50 total. And win or lose, you'll get a $250 digital gift card to Uber Eats. Make sure you use my promo code RADIOEAT. That's one word, RADIO Eat. That's all you need to do. A couple of uh betting facts and thoughts as we get closer to all the different things that are happening. How about the NFL draft prop positions ahead of the draft here? All right, take a look at some of these guys. Over under Drake London, 10 and a half. Jordan Davis, 13.5. Jamison Williams, 14 and a half. Right around the Eagles spot. George Karloff is 16 and a half. Chris Olave, 17 and a half. Trent McDuffie, 17 and a half. And here's the big one. Devin Lloyd, 18 and a half. Those are some of your betting futures on the NFL draft. From Caesar Sportsbook, you must be 21 and physically present in New Jersey. New customers with eligible promo code only. Real money wagers only that have minimum odds of minus 200. 250 gift card redemption code and steps to redeem the gift card are sent via email within 72 hours. The Uber gift card terms and conditions do apply. See Caesars.com slash promo for full terms. were prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Caesars Sportsbook. Download
5: it, people. Now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger,
4: for the ones who get it done. To the Sports Bash on 97.3
2: ESPN. we're getting ready to wrap up a Wednesday show. we got Sixers tonight. Uh, Obviously, I'm hoping the Sixers win the game. I kind of have a Raptors feeling in me. I don't like the fact that I have this Raptors feeling in
3: me. I said it yesterday, Mike, and I'm going to stick with my opinion on this. I think the Raptors win one of these two games here in Toronto, and the Sixers are going to win the series in five.
2: I hope you're right. Um, and I'm not saying you're off because I think if the Sixers lose tonight, they could still win the next two. I think the Raptors win tonight. Ugly game, but just a guess. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Nobody knows.
3: I'm just assuming they're going to win one of the games at home, just by just, just by the stretch of you know you you have this feeling that Toronto is not going to go down you know go down without a fight. You know what I mean? They're going to just lay down and get. I just don't over think
2: the Sixers can shoot this can't shoot this high percentage three games in a row at some point it balances back out you shoot your average you know and they've been way over their average so I wouldn't be surprised they come back tomorrow and we say look they only made 20 percent of threes I mean they shot um I don't know six of they 30 shot,
3: they shot 50 in the first game which yep. was insane and they shot 40 the next game
2: they were 47
3: the second game you, you can't do that consistently.
2: No, so I wouldn't be surprised if it came in tomorrow and they're, you know, 8 of 30 from 3. And you're like, why'd they lose? Well, they shot 8 of 30. They had good looks. <laughs> right. They just didn't shoot the ball all that well. Um, again, we try to complicate things in sports. Sometimes, uh, simple, man. You, you just didn't shoot the ball that well. You had good looks. You didn't shoot it well. What can you do? And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that's the case tomorrow Um I think uh, Siakam has a good game tonight. I think uh, Gary Trent adds some offensive depth to their lineup that they've sorely been lacking. And I kind of like the Raptors tonight. They're they're a two-point dog at home, I think. Uh, Over-under was like 216, I want to say. Um, I could be way off on that. but I
3: know the line move because it, it opened, I believe, at 4, 4.5.
2: Yeah, it's definitely two, two and a half, somewhere in that range.
3: Yeah, it's definitely dropped. Yeah, I it
2: is check. it has it has come down. It is two and a half, over under 216 and a half. I like um wait a second. Does that say Philadelphia? Seven and a half? No, this is old. Oh, that's what the game was. But I opened that? No, this was game two. Why did uh, they give me the two game was two? Seven and a half. Yeah, why did they give me the game two stuff? Give me the game three stuff. Uh it is minus two. That's what I thought. The over under is two sixteen and a half. It's still the same. All right. So I, I thought two hundred sixteen was right. I like the Raptors tonight outright on the money line plus one ten. And I like the under on the game. I think it's an ugly game. One hundred five I say one hundred five ninety eight. Something like that was what I said to Ryan. One oh five like ninety eight, I'll write that down. Rap. Sounds right. 76ers. So I think Sixers lose tonight. I hope I'm way off base on this. And if I am, I am. Phillies are uh, winning 9 6 in the eighth. They had a five run inning. Schwarber with a homer. Bohm with a homer. Um, Bohm has another big day today. Carmargo has a, a three run homer, is so far the difference in this one. The difference for me is I'm done. I am out of here. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll be one week away from the NFL draft. Josh has game night, Weinberg Wednesday. Tonight, Dave Weinberg joins the show. Before I'm gone, this first. (laughs) It's your final opportunity on the Sports Bash to enter. 609-573-3776. Enter, pick your trip. One lucky listener will win a trip for two to the Eagles' road game of their choice this season. You pick the game, we'll supply the airfare, hotel, the pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles' road game of your choice. You must be present to win next Thursday at Slack-Tide Brewing Company in Cape May Courthouse. It's all courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Do Philly Sports Road Trips with the pros. Plan your trip at phillysportstrip.com. And food will be provided on Thursday from Ernest and Sons old-fashioned butcher shop in Brigantine. Caller 7 573 3776 Good luck! Another chance to enter tonight at 655.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day.